heartbeat. It, yet again, is a sunny day, and this time it's a sunny afternoon because it is technically afternoon. Uh, on a Saturday in New York City, uh, I am your host of the TriGames.net podcast where we talk about video games and other shit, Austin, Mr. Chupon, Ultros, or whatever, and I'm with my co-host. Oh, oh you want me to say it? Sure, All right, then. Ow, Antipode, the chibi one. The chi- well, I'm not really so chibi anymore, but still. Yes. And we are here to talk about stuff. Uh, this episode, uh, I, I conjured a, a, a random topic uh, for for people on my Google Plus feed, uh, which I have started using in earnest. Um, I'll probably, once I get the photo sharing things down, I will probably end up dumping Facebook, I'm thinking. Oh, yeah? Not not unsubscribing from Facebook, but just not really not using, using it. it anymore for stuff, mm-hmm. um, as opposed to not for stuff. But, um, yeah. So the question was, if there was a video game apocalypse, meaning that, let's say from today on, there were no new games that were ever going to be made ever again, and at some point in the near future, all video games would would, would cease to exist, would, would go away, what would kind of be your final tour of duty before that apocalypse happened? You have five games. What would they be? So that was a question. We got two responses. One from our thir- from our former third chair, who uh, we hope to be a third chair soon again once his internet gets unfucked. Um, Pete and we got another answer from uh, my best friend uh, down in Atlanta, which is a very short answer, but it was a, it was a poignant one. Um, and that's about it because no one else wrote in. You all suck. Uh, but that's okay because we don't suck. But you know what happened? We didn't think of our five games, so this will be an adventure. Uh, we also got some shit. What was it? The Today, the Today Show? Yeah. Some shitty Today Show um, reaction episode. to video games episode uh, about reacting to, like, you know, is it kosher for men over 30 to play video games? And, you know, obviously. Well, I think it was it was more of a general conversation yes, about other and, and things, that came and up. then somebody asked a question yeah, that about came up. that. But. You know, that came up, and, and, and I mean, that's part of what I actually was going to say when we discuss it, uh, the fact, how mm-hmm. it came up, and, and what it, what exactly that conversation was. But, before we get to all that stuff, both of us run this podcast because we do what? Play video games sometimes. And what did you sometimes play this week, sir? Sometimes, well, Sometimes today. I feel like a nut. Sometimes a mounds. To ill. Today. Mounds and Almond Joy. The other one is Mounds. Gideon made that up. What? <laughs> Gideon made up, like, you know how it says uh, Almond Joy and Mounds? It's sometimes, it's sometimes I feel like a nut, sometimes I don't. Yes, yes. And then Gideon said, sometimes I feel like a nut, sometimes I'm Mounds. <laughs> I know. It's just that um, you had said something else that I completely forgot at this point. Nuts. And um, forget it. Let's move on. Um, well, <clears throat> today I finished Infinite Undiscovery. Ooh. And uh, essentially, it was just I. Last week, I was at the last boss, and I died to the last boss because the last boss was just doing some really bullshit moves and like killed everybody. Uh, <clears throat> mm-hmm. So I was upset about that, and then I had a very busy week. Uh, it seems like my job is loading everybody up with work because um, 
we're having a party next Tuesday or this coming Tuesday at this point. Uh, and the party is from like 4.30 to 9.30 and we pledged that we were going to be there and that there was going to be no work to being done between 4.30 and 9.30 on Tuesday afternoon. And it seems like every day we have like an extra hour of work and everything is just like super busy. So I haven't really been able to play much of anything throughout the week. Um, as a matter of fact, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday have all been one day to me. <laughs> um, and then Thursday and into Friday, I kind of got some rest and um feeling a little bit better now. And I'm on vacation next week, so I'll have a lot to talk about next Saturday. Um, but... Other than Infinite Undiscovery, which I'll discuss in a moment, um, I played, I think I played a little bit of Shadow Wars, maybe, I'm not sure. Um, yesterday I played the Catherine demo on both PS3 and Xbox 360. Oh, that's on 360? I thought, oh, I'll, I thought for some reason that it was a 3, I'm sorry, a PS3 exclusive. Uh, I think in... In Japan, maybe? In Japan it might have been, but... Um, yeah, here it's for 360 and PS3. Yes, uh, A different cover for each one. Um, one has Catherine with a C, which is the um, the girlfriend, the one with the, the long hair yeah. and the glasses. And then the other one has... I think the PS3 one has Catherine with the C, and then the 360 has Catherine with the K on the cover, who's the short-haired girl, kind of slutty. The, the affair one. Yes, the affair one. And um, I'll talk about that now. Because I don't think I have anything else to talk about. Thinking. I'm thinking. I'm thinking. It's thinking. Yeah. Um, the only other thing I did was I played. I played. <laughs> I, I watched Netflix on my 3DS, which is uh, a really cool experience. Yeah. I, you know, I tried doing that, and it was loading It Men 2, and it was just perpetually loading. Mm. When was that? Uh, this was yesterday, right after I downloaded the app, or is it, no, 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 I think it was Thursday. I, I'm guessing the servers are busy. Right after you download, did you download it at 12 o'clock when I did? Um, I forget. Like right when it first got I released? I forget, but I remember you saying that there wasn't a lot of stuff there, so I waited, I think I must have waited a bit. Um, uh, well, what happened was, <clears throat> when I first downloaded it, I ran it. And none of the icons were loading for the movies, and then I loaded up a Law and Order Criminal Intent episode, and the lip sync was completely off. Right, that I remember so you telling me. I thought it was maybe just the service, and then I remembered I was having some slow connectivity with my internet anyway, so I rebooted my router and my modem, and then everything was fine. And all the images were loading up just fine, and then I started watching Initial D, where I blew through like five episodes of Initial D between Thursday and today. Um, and... You know, granted that's an anime, but they set up the the dialogue to go with the lips, sort of. So when they stop talking, the lips do stop moving. Oh, as opposed to like Law and Order, where they would talk and the lips would be moving like three seconds before or after or something like that. It was really bad. Wow. Anyway, did you try Law and Order again later? Uh, no, I've only watched an issue D on my 3DS. Ding so ding. Um, but I'll go back to it another time. Right now, I'm kind of. I'm stuck in the moment for Initial D. I'm I'm really kind of hooked into it. Initial at this point dick. In um, so Catherine, is that is that the one that they ended up making? Sega ended up making a racing game out of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it wasn't really that good. Oh, oh. It didn't really capture the spirit of downhill mountain racing. Oh, yeah. Oh. So Catherine is still. Oh yeah, I was gonna say there's still Automodelista. Oh okay. But um, 
but I don't know if there's mountain uh, downhill mountain in in that. I have I'm I've tempted to play it again. Uh, Catherine is uh, a rather interesting game, but I, it's definitely not for everybody. I think because of the demo and what the demo entails, uh, you know, the demo is supposed to give you a uh, a snapshot, you know, of the gameplay or something you vertical know, slice that gives you what to expect. Yep. So and so mm-hmm. it, it, that's the demo that comprised that's comprised mostly of the weird climbing puzzle game. Well, yes. Yeah. And um, essentially, if that's what, okay. <laughs> you got an email text. Uh, I got a text. And okay. Anyways, um, I was in the middle of saying something. Oh, if if that's uh, you know, what the gameplay is, and that's if that's all the gameplay in the game is fine for me. But I know a lot of people are gonna be upset at the fact that oh, all I'm gonna do is uh, push and pull blocks and try and climb a tower is boring. Right, that's only part of it, though, as I understand. I I, I would assume. I don't. Know. I would hope. All I know is that. In the demo, all you do is you start out with the dream, the first dream. Well, I don't know. It's It seems like it's the first dream because it's like day one or whatever. Um, and Vincent is having some dream. He doesn't know what the hell is going on. He's like sheep all around the place. Like man, uh, uh, what's the word? Anthropomorphized or whatever. <laughs> I'm tired. Anthro. Uh, you know. Anthro. Anthro. anthro, just anthro. Yeah, yeah. Basically, man-shaped sheep. Yeah. Uh, furries. They they're Furry like sheep. walking around and shit, huh? Furries, sheep. Moving on. Um, he's like trying to figure out what the hell's going on. He's got these ram horns on his head, and he's just in his drawers with a pillow. And what you have to do is you have to set up the blocks that are set up in like a almost like a staircase kind of fashion. Yeah. Before before you go uh, on, it is anthropomorphic. Anthro, I was almost right. Anthropomorphic. That's what always right. gets me. The middle po. Right. Anyway, I, I knew the po part, but I po, was like anthropomorphic. <laughs> anthropomorphic. Yeah. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I had to. Co- um. <laughs> so you had to you have to climb this tower and. The floor, or should I say the bottom of the tower, is constantly falling. So you have to continually climb the tower so that you're not falling, so that you don't fall off. Right. And the blocks are arranged in such a way that most of the time you have to pull out a block or arrange the blocks in such a way that you can climb up because you can only climb one block at a time. So if there are two blocks stacking on each other, you yeah. can't do anything. Um, but you can still um, – you can't get on it, but can't you still like sidle along the side of it to get to somewhere else? Yeah, you can climb along the sides of the blocks. Right, right. You just can't get, get on top it, of it. But you can't get on top. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and so essentially it's like a strategy puzzle action kind of game there. And the there's a meter that determines like your multiplier or your – it's essentially like a, a, a gauge of your um, your speed and your kind of reaction time, I guess. Um and the meter, as long as you can get up to the next level without the meter going down, you continue to multiplier. And if you can get all the way to the top without that without that meter draining, you get a perfect for that. And there's also money lying around on some of the blocks, and you have to get those. Um, there's pillows also that kind of hang around on some of the blocks, and the pillows give you extra continues. So in case you uh, die for whatever reason, if you fall, or in, in the case of the later thing, if you get killed, and um, 
let me think. Is there any other pickup? Uh, there was, there's a checkpoint pickup that was in, in the, the second level, which I'll discuss in a moment. But essentially, uh, that's all it is. You're, you're climbing up the blocks, you're setting up the blocks, you're pulling and pushing blocks, and you're picking up gold, and you're trying to get up there as fast as possible so that either, either you don't baby. fall off. Or, huh? I said, or the killer baby doesn't get you. Well, that's that's probably in some other stage oh. because it seems to change every time. Oh, sometimes. Uh, it's but in the first else. stage, the floor is just falling. Oh, okay. and and you have to just kind of they they teach you how to play the game and they tell you about the blocks and how the blocks can be suspended in the air as long as one of their edges is touching another edge of another block. You can kind of make these unreal floating. Yeah, it suspends block itself patterns. in air and it connects itself. To the other block, so it doesn't fall, and it looks like a sta- you know a, a stairway, but it yes, somehow exactly. it doesn't fall because right. he's a sheep man, and, and it's a dream, and no one ever really cares to tell Vincent that it's a dream. They just go, yeah, you know, you gotta get to the top of this, or you'll die. It's like I'll die. What? Are you fucking serious? And you know, it's like language and everything. Was, and the, the the voice acting is done really well. Yeah, I was gonna I like. ask you about that. I was like, did you play the? D- First of all, did the demo come with two languages? And if so, did you listen to it in Japanese or English? Was gonna be my question. No, it comes only in English, uh, and it really it doesn't seem to be uh, Uh like a hack job. That's a good thing about it. I mean, the hey Vincent, you'd better get to the top. Yeah, it's not. It's definitely nothing like that. Like Atlas, they know. I I think that's a good point. Atlas is pretty spot on. Does a good job on doing stuff and delivering to fans of things like this. Yeah, and you know, it's an anime half of the time. And anime mouth movements aren't really all that expressive. So, like, Catherine will be saying something to you, and her mouth is just, like, moving like a fish. Yeah. But it's, you know, <laughs> something that you expect. <laughs> so, um, after you finish the first thing, uh, the first dream sequence, then uh, you kind of, uh, like, the time shifts, and you're sitting in this bar with, or not bar, like a restaurant with, with your Catherine, friends. your girlfriend. Oh. And she tells you, you know, snap out of it. And they're talking about, um, essentially she's talking about how her mother's talking to her. And um, she's kind of getting on her about getting married. Mm. Because, you know, they're 30. Yeah. And that's around that age when parents start bugging you about getting married. I, I suppose. You should settle down and, and find a nice girl. Exactly. Of a nice man. With lots of money. And, so, <laughs> lots and a big money. dick. What? Ew. <laughs> uh, uh, that's because I'm a man. Um, <laughs> oh. Yeah. Oh. So anyway. Uh, yeah. So she's talking to Vincent about that and saying, you know, like, how long have we been together? How many years have we been together? And he goes, oh, how many years have we been together? And she's like, no, well, I asked you. And he couldn't really remember. And they've been together for a very long time. So... She gets up and she leaves, and she's going to like hang out with her friends or something like that. And then, um, Vincent, I keep trying not to say you, (laughs) Vincent goes to hang out with his friends at some other bar and they're having drinks and they're talking about the same thing. He's talking about how, uh, Catherine's like, you know, bringing up marriage and stuff like that. And his friends can't believe it. It's like, oh my God, I've known you forever and now you get married and, and he goes, nothing's set in stone yet. I'm still kind of thinking about it. And he goes, well, come on, man. You know, they're really just having a nice little conversation, him and his two friends, about relationships and marriage and what they're doing as opposed to what he's doing. And then they leave. Then they introduce another part of the game where uh, when you're sitting in, what is the name of that place? 
man, I don't. I think it's called the Shady Sheep or something. <laughs> the, the the name of the bar. But when you're sitting in that restaurant, you get text messages, and you can respond to the text messages by uh you you get a text message, you read it, and then you press A to reply mm-hmm. or X to reply if you're playing PlayStation. Uh, Goddamn controllers. You press the A or <laughs> you press the A or the X button to write out a line of text, and if you don't like that line. You press B or circle to erase that line, and you press A or X again to uh, rewrite a new line. So there are several lines that you can choose from, and if it describes how you feel you want Vincent to react to whatever the text message is, then you, you construct the text message back and you send it. And what that does is it changes Vincent's feelings about his entire situation. And it comes through in the text that gets sent so that the person reacts in a different way? That's true too, yes. Okay. Um, and what happens is the, you change the course of the game by responding to these text messages. And, uh, there's a meter that fluctuates between like a blue angel and a red, like, devil. And depending on what messages you send, the, the bar, the, the meter fluctuates between that and it affects, I think it affects how the game runs too. I'm not really sure because they don't really do too much. It it doesn't the meter doesn't affect anything in the demo and you can't save in the demo and things like that. So they just basically tell you how that works. And so uh Catherine sends you a message saying that she's hanging out with her friends and all her friends are all married or uh have children and stuff like that and she feels kinda left out. Um and then she just wanted to share that with Vincent. And so as Vincent you have an option to kind of be supportive and say um, you know, I, I've been thinking about it a lot too. Let's talk about it later. Or you can be dismissive and say, I don't want to talk um, about that right now. I don't want to talk about that right now. Or you can just be like really angry about it and say, uh, that's still bothering you. You know, the hell's your problem? Almost. What the hell's your problem? But not that, that, not that bad. <laughs> and then you have an option to say good night or drive home safely, something like that. And then you send off the message. Boom. <clears throat> then she'll send you a message back based on what you said. And then you send another message back, and that's the end of that segment. And then um, you have oh, then uh, Catherine with a K comes in into the bar, and she sits next to you. And then next thing you know, the time goes, and Vincent's having a nightmare. And the nightmare, <laughs> the nightmare is the same block climbing tower puzzle thing, except it's a little bit more difficult. There's some. Uh, gold pieces that are kind of off on the side and you have to create little steps in order to get that which kind of distract you from your main goal and at the same time there's um the floor is falling but the floor is also falling as a factor of uh these hands coming up from the bottom one hand has a fork in it and the other hand is just like scraping and it has blue nails just like Catherine with a c and he recognizes it's like what Catherine? because he hears her voice and so now he's running away like he doesn't understand why Catherine's trying to kill him. But uh, in the actual gameplay, she's like slamming the fork against the blocks and she changes some of the blocks. Oh, into... so you can't move them or something? Yeah, but um, the blocks are harder to pull, so they take more time oh. to pull. The regular blocks, you pull them out and they just go. Uh, but when she hits the wall and they turn brown. Uh, they, you pull him in, he's straining more to pull him, so it takes you a little bit longer to set up the blocks for the stairs. And if she catches up to you, then it gets to a point where she can stab you with the fork and kill you. And, um, up at the top of the, 
of that tower, there was a really tricky like setup, and you actually had to get this block on one of the on one of the other blocks, like an item pickup that allows you to create a block. And so you had to move one out of the way and then create the block in the air, and it would connect to the one that you're standing on, and you can hop, pull the other one, and hop again and hop again and get out. And it took me a good while to figure that one out, and I kept dying. Uh, and that was the end of the demo. Uh, what happens after you finish that is you wake up, and Catherine with a K is in the bed with you, and, and he's like, oh! he's freaking out. Yeah, and then they show the trailer, which uh, the trailer is always fun to watch, especially with the music that starts out in the beginning. Um, then you know, you, you know you get what? To play it again. I, if you, want. you know what I think uh, garnered the type of like oh, this stupid fucking block game reaction from some people, and I saw this in um in like blog post comments for for the trailer. I believe on One Up. Um, I don't remember what people were saying on Giant Bomb, but they you know they play the trailer and it's like it's all titillating. You know, um, it's all about mm-hmm. how Catherine with a K, right? Is all like mm-hmm, sexy yeah. and everything, um, yep. and then when they actually show the gameplay, it's that block stuff, and so it's kind of like. And, and this is a Japanese trailer, so it, it, you know there's a little bit lost in translation um, in terms of like culturally what they were going for. And it's one of those things where it's just like, oh, so this is really just some stupid block pushing game, and they just put sex on top of it, you know. And so there's some cynical people who are like, well, this isn't a game at all. This is just an excuse to get you know sex on the screen. Or right. sexual activity, and you know, there's more than that. It's like an adventure game, but the way they presented it, I can understand why people had that reaction to it. Oh, certainly, I can understand um, that as well. And then before I really <clears throat> looked into it, I had no idea what the game was. I thought it was like a, a graphic novelty type of game, like graphic novel, but like an anime. You sit and like watch the game, and then there's some gameplay elements, or maybe there's not much actual. It's like Lux Pain. Yeah, Uh except you get to walk around and stuff, but most of it is just story. And one of the things about the game is that there's three difficulties. There's easy, normal, hard, and with easy, you get to pretty much experience most of the story. The game isn't really that hard, and you have an undo button. So if you screw up, because you can push the blocks in such a way that you're completely fucked, um, you can press select or back, depending on what game you're playing, um or what console you're playing on, and you can undo all the way back to the beginning if you want it. Oh, interesting. Um, okay. And then there's normal, and normal is just a regular normal stuff. And then hard, I think, it just increases the the, the speed or maybe... Of the dream sequences. You, you're unable to play on normal or hard in a demo. You just play on easy. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that, that's that for Catherine demo. And uh, uh, Infinite Undiscovery just... <clears throat> I I give that game like a three out of five, um, mainly because it, it's a very mediocre game. But then I found out that there's a large part of the game that I completely missed because I had no idea that it existed. Um, I have to check the manual. I meant to do that last week and I didn't do it. And the game's all the way on the couch, so I can't do it now. <laughs> um, I, have to get I went up. to check the manual to see if they dis- if they explained how to do something. Uh, essentially. I told you this before. When you're in the game and you're out in the in the the field and you have your party members with you, you can connect with one of the party members and use utilize their moves or their abilities so that um, they can 
you, you can do things like get items from far away, or you can use Aya and her bone arrow, and she can shoot things from far away, or you can use some of the other enemies that charm some of the, um, use some of your allies that charm some of the enemies, etc., etc., etc. But I had no idea that you could do that in town. And there's, like, you know, a whole bunch of quests in the game. I don't remember how many quests, but there's quite a bit of them. And you unlock certain things, you can get certain party members, and you just basically do a lot of stuff. And the only way that you're able to really do this is if you connect with the party members in town. And I always wondered, like, well, how the hell do I use, like, there are characters that you get in the game, and you can't actually fight with them. If you get into a situation where you set up multiple parties, and the secondary and tertiary parties are all computer-controlled, they are the only ones that can go, not the only ones, but they can only go there. They can't go in your main party and actually fight with you through the game. Mm-hmm. And I always wondered why in the hell they had like item creation and things like that and connect skills. And I'm like, I can't use them in town. So why, you know, I can't use them outside. I can't use them in town. So why can I do like alchemy with one person? I can do blacksmithing with another person. And their levels are so much higher than the characters that I have. Like once I get them. And then I find out at the end of the game, because I was having trouble with getting through this part right before the last boss, and I was trying to figure out how far I got to see how much further I had to go. Essentially, the last part of the game before the final boss is this big-ass tower. And you keep going up the tower, and uh, you fight like a whole bunch of enemies in one room, and you go up the stairs, you go up the stairs, and you fight a boss. Is there a hand with and a fork you... and blue fingernails? No, there's not that same game. <laughs> Then you go up the stairs and up the stairs, and you fight a room full of enemies. And you go upstairs, upstairs, you fight another boss. And you keep doing that over and over. I'm like, what the fuck is this? I'm trying to find a save point somewhere. I have no items. I'm out of everything. I'm like hoping that there's this, uh, a ninja, Gemma. Uh, he comes around at some cer- certain points in the game, and he offers rest and items. And I'm trying to figure out, well, what the, f- how, how the fuck do they, do they expect you to get through the game when you get to the final part of the, of the game and you can't go back and you just have to do it with what you got. And I had like eight potions to resurrect and like maybe 30 potions to restore life and another 30 to restore magic. And it was just ridiculous. I could not get through it. And then I looked at the fact. And found out that, A, I was at the third out of four bosses that I got killed on. Oh! Which was alright. That was cool. But what was fucked up about it was that after the fourth boss, uh, Genma was at the next level. Oh! <laughs> I was like, oh, man. Oh. Okay. And then the second thing I found out was that you, before you go into that place, because you can't go back from there, there's a, a save point. And what happens is that you, you use the save point and then you go through uh, a cutscene. And you go to another cutscene, and when you finish those two cutscenes, you can go back. And when you go back, Genma's standing there, and there's also a teleporter to go back and do all the, all the other stuff in the previous parts of the game. And I was saying to myself, wow, I would not have uh, figured that out, because I would I was on a forward-thinking, right. I gotta finish this game. Right, you wouldn't think game, to be like, so good to go back. Well, right. So, it's funny, because I remember a couple of episodes ago, Either we had a mailbag question or a tweet or something about like, um, or maybe we we're having a conversation about like how we, how we uh, behave towards like saving our games, 
and like mm-hmm. I was talking about like in in Final Fantasy four like the the dark Elf dungeon like i would I would oh it was it was about us like trekking on and saying, "Ah, I don't need to save and then uh, it biting us in the ass, oh yes, yes, and then like na- now in this case, it's like well always always think about, hey, can I go back here for a second and just save it once more so I don't have to watch the cutscene over again, and then you would have seen him. No, not even that. Um, because I can skip cutscenes by pressing back. Oh, so, so it I didn't, didn't even you know it didn't, it didn't even, even matter, matter to me. Oh, <laughs> so I was just moving on, moving on, moving on, and um, then I had died at that point. And I looked at the fact, I'm like, oh, really? So I went and did the two cutscenes, went back, went to Genma, and bought 99 of everything, and went right back in, saved, and fought my way up to this one point, um, which was after the four bosses in that chain because it, it essentially is this one boss that you fight at the bottom floor and then you do the four boss four random not random but four arena fights and four boss fights things so there's eight fights total after the first boss at the bottom mm-hmm. and then after you do all of that then there's gamma and the save and then there's like another boss up there and if you do that boss you can go back to gamma heal up save replenish your items and then do the final two bosses at the end and I died on the final, final boss because he did some, like, you know, some bullshit. ridiculous shit. And I, I called him a bullshitter on Twitter. And I called <laughs> him a, I was like, bro, this is a fucking bullshitter. Like, what are you talking about, man? And um, what was crazy was that, like, you had to fight the same guy twice in a row. But the this is before, like, the, the last, the two bosses before the final boss was the same guy. Mm. And he had the exact same patterns, except he was just, like, a little stronger. And then, uh, then there was a final boss, which I, I kind of figured out how to beat him at the very last moment. <laughs> I was really about to just give up on the game because I thought that it was one of those things where y- you had to spend time grinding or something. But I'm thinking, it's an action game. An action RPG, you don't you need to grind. Do you just that. need to be good. Huh? No, I said you usually don't need to do that. Right. You usually just need to be good. Like Zelda, you you don't have to get everything to finish the game. You don't even have to get, like, I beat Ocarina of Time without getting not one combination of four pieces of heart. I probably could have skipped the heart containers, but they were just sitting there, so I'm like, fuck it, take it. <laughs> right. Um, you know, I'm not, like, that crazy to do, like, those uh, three heart speed runs. Not speed runs, but those three heart um, game clears, like, people do in the original Legend of Zelda like they'll beat the entire game with three hearts yeah no thanks and and like no the silver thanks. sword no thanks no, no, they can't even get the silver sword or the white sword they'll, they'll beat the game with three hearts and the wooden sword no thank you <laughs> I'm not doing that uh uh-uh, cause you get to a point where you just die in one hit really I'm not doing that uh I'm not that perfect fuck you buddy um uh, and the ending of Infinite Discovery was okay it, it, it was it was a little uh heart wrenching a little bit and, Did you and cry? Then, no. <clears throat> you like you're choking if I was there the type, now. I probably would have. Huh? You sounded like you were just like, no. Did you uh, cry? No. 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 Um, yeah, I, I, I didn't. And, but but I felt, you know, damn, if I was a crying type, I would cry. And Ooh. But I knew that that wasn't going to be the way it ended. And... Then I found, you know, I I just I was just waiting for the point that everything would be okay again, and the 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 reason why I knew everything was going to be okay was because you get to save your data at the end of the game. Oh, and continue to play. So I'm like, yeah, uh, that's that's not really going to be the end of it. 
so I'm finished with that. Deleted off my Xbox, and no more um, uh, big titty girl. And now, no now more jealous I'm be girl. Playing. No more any of that. No more weird Japanese slash American teenage drama for a while. <laughs> and or what they think is Americanized. <laughs> yeah, it was more Japanese. It wasn't really Americanized. It, it was very Japanese. Right. They just kind of translated it into English. But the next game I'm going to be playing is uh, Spider-Man Shattered Dimensions, which is in the Xbox, but I decided to go and You got that a while ago, stuff. right? Yeah, I got it uh, before Christmas, along with Need for Speed, Hot Pursuit, which is still in the wrapper. Well then. Yeah. I, oh, I got my uh, Ocarina of Time music CD. Ooh. What, so Okay, so what's on that CD? Uh, looks like all the music from the game, 51 tracks. So from just from Ocarina? Yeah, for some I don't know for some reason I thought that they were also some they're gonna like throw in some like tracks from other games, but I don't know. Oh, you know why? Because I'm thinking of the stupid sampler that came with Twilight Princess or something. I don't know what I'm talking about. Leave me alone. What? Okay. Excuse me. Don't leave me alone. Oh, all right. I'm back. Uh, what else have you been playing or doing or sexing <laughs> or eating? Uh, well, you know, <laughs> I'll briefly touch on this because it has absolutely nothing to do with video games. Mm. But my Jeep died. Oh, and that's part of the reason why Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday have all been one day. Yeah, because on Tuesday I was on my way to work and I went to accelerate on the highway and my motor just like went. Oh shit! Bye-bye. So you're on the highway when that happened? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going like 80 and I couldn't accelerate anymore. And I'm like, what the fuck? So I went to pull over because that's the intelligent thing to do uh, when you can't speed up anymore. Yeah, I would think so. <laughs> and and uh, Maybe put as your I hazards was, on a bit. Yeah, put my hazards on, change lanes. Because I was changing into right lane anyway. And <clears throat> as I was turning the car onto the shoulder, my steering wheel started to to lock up. Oh, God. And uh, essentially that meant that I was losing like the my power steering. Right. Um, so I stopped, and I went to look at a couple of things. And I'm like, I know my motor's dead. But I just want to take a look at some things. And I called AAA and went through this whole process because they can't pick you up off of a parkway. So you had to get a tow truck to get you off the parkway. Oh, that's annoying. And you had to pay that guy, and they reimburse you. Then you had to call AAA back again, and then they'll send somebody who can take you somewhere. Now, mind you, I was halfway between work and home, which is about 15 miles away. And they had to take me back because I knew that I had to keep my car at the the mechanic, my mechanic. If I brought it to, like, their shop or something, I'd be screwed because I'd have no way to get to work, no way to get home, no way to get back to that shop and things like that. So I had to call Evelyn, wake her up at 12 o'clock at night, 1 o'clock in the morning, went back to Queens. She got me, uh, left the car at the shop, went to work three hours late, left an hour and a half early. Uh, So I only spent, like, three hours at work that night. And then rushed back to the... um, the shop using Evelyn's car <clears throat> and had to tell them, you know, I left the car there because da, 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 I didn't want them to tow it saying like, who, who the hell car is here? So then they looked at it and said the motor's dead and it's going to cost like $2,500, to $3,000 ah. to fix it. And I'm like, oh yeah, that's not going to happen yeah. because my trade-in value for it was two grand. And so I said, well okay, just, well, I guess I got to dump it and wait for the new one. Right. So, but the problem with that is that it, I, in the end, I only got three hundred dollars for it. Mm. Yeah, so from two thousand to three hundred in a matter of a day sucks. 
and constantly going back and forth between going to the mechanic and finding out stuff and I had to go rent a car and so I have this like shitty Chevy Aveo which I also talked badly about on Twitter only because I don't think that the gas mileage is really that good talk, get a lot of followers and, get a lot of followers uh, talk a lot of shit and you might get an, you might get a, a a Chevy PR person on Twitter going how can we help your experience yeah, but by the time that happens, uh, I would have already returned the car and gotten it back and returned the car and then got my fourth. Like, you know how you can better. help? You can give me like $100,000 just because. Okay. Yeah, why not? Remember, kids, <laughs> go, okay. when you're having car trouble on the highway, put on your hazards, pull over slowly, and then continue to listen to the Dry Games Net podcast on your MP3 player. Always. If possible. Always. <laughs> Always. Always. So, um, yeah, that's the end of that sad story. Now you can talk about what you've been playing, because I've been talking way too much. Let's see. Uh, so I forgot to mention last week that I had played Puzzle Agent a bit, but since then I have beaten it. Uh, it's about, uh, I'd say it's about four hours all told. Um, really? Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a short one. Um, okay, that, I think I might play that soon. I mean, I, I believe oh. it's like five bucks on Steam right now, and it's ten bucks. it was ten bucks when it came out. Puzzle Agent 2 was ten bucks. I already have because I got it with this big puzzle right, set. But I mean, in terms in terms of like oh, uh, price to hour ratio, like that that it, it like I expected something around like a, a, a three to five hour game because I paid, well, I paid three dollars short, but like I knew that it was a reg- it was regularly like ten bucks. So I'm like, all right, I'm I'm not expecting this to be very long. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm gonna pull a PD on you. Oh, um, I played uh, this game, uh, Back to the Future. Episode five. This game, the the final. <laughs> I was loading up Steam because I couldn't remember it. Um, yeah, I playing the final episode of Back to the Future, and I'm about halfway through it. And uh, the, the Michael J. Cameo was really cool. I liked it. And did you like it? I just said you liked I it, liked didn't it. you? Did you like it? I, sh- I I'm not denying that. Did you like it? Uh, I'm, you I'm loved it. Not refusing the, the <laughs> latter option. Yeah. So anyway, um, I, I hope to finish that. If I can find some time to set my computer and play a fucking video game, uh, I would. I would love to. And I would also like to mention that I um, purchased and downloaded, but I haven't played yet, Breath of Death 7 and Cthulhu Saves the World, which are both um, <laughs> Dragon Quest clones, apparently. It just sounds ridiculous. Yes, and they're, I think they're meant to be funny, like, stupid games like this. And Breath of Death, I think you play as a skeleton as a main character or something like that. And it's 8-bit in style, 8-bit graphics. Uh, Cthulhu Saves the World is 16-bit graphics. And they have that Dragon Quest type of uh, battle system, it looks like. But th- I see, I'm looking at the screenshots here, and there's uh, a screenshot of Cthulhu Saves the World as a combo meter or something. Yeah, it's also in Breath of Death 7, so... We'll see what that looks like um, next week. I will discuss that because I will have time to play it since I'll be home. Yeah. Yeah. I'm done. Hey, my turn again. Uh, so Puzzle Agent, uh, I, I like the experience a lot mostly because of the aesthetic. Uh, for those of you who haven't seen Puzzle Agent, it's this very kind of uh, crayon-ish uh Art and when I say crayon, I just mean that the black ink, the black ink that they use to outline the characters, like it's not sharp or fine. It's kind of fuzzy, so it makes it look like someone drew on a piece of construction paper with a black crayon. Um, nice. And it's it's a very unique look. Um, they it's directed 
in you know in terms of a uh, from a story standpoint and a humor standpoint it's directed pretty well um they they take a lot like during during the dialogue uh and story beats like they they do a lot of you know long pauses um or or like subtle looks as subtle as you can make it um it's 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 a lot of fun. it's just a lot of fun to watch um as much as it is to play i will actually say that um so I, I was expecting slightly more brain teasery puzzles, and what I got a lot of was rotate these tiles to make you know a path. So, for example, mm-hmm. um, like there's one puzzle where there's a broken uh, there's a broken stove uh, stove pipe, and you need to rebuild the pipe so that the smoke from the stove you know can get to the other end of the pipe. And they give you a grid of all these tiles that are like rotated out of whack um, that represent the pieces of the pipe. And you have to rotate the tiles so that you can construct this one long continuous pipe that goes from the stove to the exhaust. Um, mm-hmm. So, that, you know, that's one example of like... The t- it, it's, it's kind of like... Um, what was that game? Pipe Dream? Yeah, Pipe Dream right. or the bonus ga- or the hacking minigame in Bioshock. Mm-hmm. Except the pieces are already there. You just have to rotate them and figure out how they connect the right way. And there there are a handful of those. And I'm not saying that those were easy by any means. Well, maybe they are and I'm just stupid. Um, but, like, yeah, they do require some semblance of thought. But I thought, again, I thought it would be more brain teasery and less like, okay, manipulate this shit. Um, like, they're, they're, you, I don't know if you ever remember the Professor Layton subway ads. Um where like one of them was like they, they one of them showed a cross section uh four different cross sections of silhouettes of stacked cups and they're like which of these stacks makes the least sense and that's something that you look at and you're like huh hmm. i y- why doesn't that one make sense does that one you know does that one phys- is that one physically possible blah 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 and there were some of those but again there were a whole bunch of like those rotating ones that I'm just like you know what i mean these aren't not fun but they're also kind of like there are too many of these. Like it, it's, I, I feel like those ones are cop out ones. Um, Interesting. Th- that's just like my opinion. They just fall back onto it. Yeah, or or just that, like, just that, like, you know, you you kind of, I kind of have the feeling that like, it, Telltale can do better than these tile rotating puzzles. I, I just think they could. Um, but mm-hmm. it's not something that I'd be like, oh, this makes this game bad. But it's just, it's it's just like this game is great, and it could have been even better. Um, but everything else about it, like aesthetically, is is just unique. I don't I don't know if it's for everyone aesthetically, but I I happen to like the style. Um, the voice acting is great all around. Um, and again, that really helps sell sells. That really helps to sell. Uh, there you go, grammar. Uh, all this all the scenes and the dialogue uh, with the long lingering looks and just like it, it's it's got that kind of weird. Well, it, I shouldn't say this because I never actually saw Fargo, but. It's got that like weird, you know. Oh, now like I- I'm this FBI agent, and I'm going to this small town in Minnesota, and uh, it's all like weird here and, and and like unsuspecting. I don't know. It's 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 it, if you saw, f- I- I'm going to guess again since I haven't seen Fargo that if you saw Fargo, I have. It might be similar. It, it might give off oh, a similar god. vibe. Oh god, um, Fargo. <laughs> but again, since I haven't seen it, I could be totally wrong. Which it's is, a good movie. Which makes it the stupidest comment that I've made here yet, which is probably but a tall it, order. No, no, no. No, no, no. Just just to let you know, since I saw Fargo, it pretty much you, you pretty much hit that on the head in terms of like, you know, the, that that Minnesota accent type of thing. Right. 
yeah, yeah. It, it's it, that's what it sounds like. Like that's what the voice. Some like. some of the characters have a mild Minnesota accent. There's there's a character named Bjorn who's who still sounds who sounds like he came over like from from a Nordic country like a couple of years ago on a boat and still hasn't uh, assimilated. Uh. Like he has this weird accent that he talks with. That I don't even think that's a Nordic accent. It's just he talks weird, and it mm. is weird. Um, and it's a, it it's one of those well. small town type of things where like you know you got these characters who are like I don't know uh, you should play it. Um, yeah, all told, like about four hours long, um, and it's funny because you you sort of expect the puzzle to, the puzzles to ramp up in difficulty as the game progresses, but it just kind of hovers like it gets harder than easier, then harder than easier, and like one of the last puzzles was really ass easy compared to like like the fourth to last puzzle or something like that. So it's a little hmm, bit weird that way. Um, now I haven't played Professor Layton. And I think the only one who's played it played them both is Pete, and he made a comment um, about it since he can't be with us physically. Um, I'm going to read it off of his Google Plus thing if I can find it. Okay, here we go. He says, "I only played the first Layton game, but I feel Puzzle Agent is a better pu- puzzle slash adventure game. I thought the puzzles were better wrapped into the story, uh, not in all, but in more cases than Layton. I, I haven't played Layton, but I would agree with that. They do a good job of making the puzzles actually be part of the story." Um, yeah, Layton is just weird from what I've played so far. I think I've played like seven, eight hours of the game. And it's like, with Professor Layton in the Curious Village, most of the puzzles are like, oh, this reminds me of a puzzle that I did way back in the day. Here, it, it, here it, it is. It sounds kind of like the Pokemon, I like shorts, let's fight. <laughs> Something like that, yeah. And that, and, and so he goes on, and that the overall narrative was better and more captivating. I also felt that the, I, I didn't think there was anything captivating about the narrative as much as it was just fun. But I guess the I guess I guess those could be interchangeable depending on how you look at it. I also felt the characters were deeper and more interesting. Uh, again, I haven't played Layton, so this is this could be true. I I, I thought they I was thought I certainly thought there were interesting characters. I didn't know that there was too much that was deep about them. Um, but maybe I'm maybe I'm being a bit too dismissive of what Telltale did. Uh, feel free to share your thoughts on cast blah blah blah. blah. Um, so yeah, Puzzle Agent. I I, I think there's. There's no reason you shouldn't play it, and not not just you. I mean, I mean people. There's no reason you mm-hmm. shouldn't play it. It's only four hours at this point. It's only like five bucks, I think. Um, and I can tell you that it's. I mean, it's not super duper hard. There are some puzzles which completely stump me, but it's not super hard. But it's still it still gives you a sense of accomplishment and satisfaction when you do these puzzles. So you know, unless unless you really really have to have blood and blood and tits in your games, then you know. <laughs> again, there, there's just go and play. Uh... Duke Nukem. Yeah. Oh, this is Forever. this is a really small investment financially, and it's five dollars. And right, financially and time wise, you know, it's 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 just like I say the same thing about this as I would have said with Portal. Like, there's no reason you shouldn't just pick it up and play it for an afternoon. Like, mm-hmm. it, it, it's 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 an easy digest. Um, Excellent. I've also continued to play Link's Awakening. Um, I continue to be annoyed at the fact that I have to equip the stupid power bracelet to pick up shit and then unequip it to not. <laughs> But uh, it's getting interesting. I think I'm getting to the point where I think I've passed the point where I ended the last time, so I'm in somewhat new territory. Um, not really much to say about that other than what I've already said. Uh, I started playing Sam and Max uh, episodes season one. Uh, I believe either yesterday or the day before yesterday, and it's the first time I've picked up a traditional point-and-click adventure in a long time. Uh, you know, before that, uh, what, 
maybe Miles Edgeworth still counts as even though you don't necessarily point and click, but I don't know. I mean, I don't know that I count the Phoenix Wright games or 999 as like old school point and click adventure games. And actually, I shouldn't because they are not old school point and click adventure games, even though right. they have a lot of those elements in there. Um, and it brought back, you know, all the good and bad memories of, hey, I, I'm clicking on every single thing, and there's a witty description of it all. And, hey, I have to click on every little single thing just to get past this, and I'm getting tired of clicking on every little single thing. Um, the voice acting also is, again, it's telltale. They do a good job with the voice acting. Um, mm-hmm. The, it's, it hasn't, it hasn't not aged well, but... I think given how the game looked when it first came out um or how I saw how I thought it looked based on screenshots that I had seen and what we had hit the road huh talking about Sam Max hit the road uh whatever season 1 is I don't know oh, oh, oh you're talking about the actual the, the new telltale Sam Max yes uh, yes season 1 okay um, I thought you were talking about the original Sam oh, Max hit the road no. from like 15 years ago no 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 okay um I uh like it was a little jarring to turn it on and play it like from a visual standpoint. Not not like oh my god this is horrible, but like oh wow I remember this looking better from screenshots. And I thought about it, I was like well no this came out a couple of years ago so I can understand mm-hmm. that. Um, I think Max is the rabbit right. So like yes. they, they do this funny thing where if if Sam is walking to a destination that you clicked on and Max is in the way, Sam will just kind of like errantly slap at Max and. That launches Max into the air, so he basically like just slaps him out of the way. Um, mm-hmm. it, uh, obviously, it's not as funny for me to tell it as it is for you to actually see it. Um, oh, I know, I've seen. Oh, okay, it. I mean, I've I played through episode one. Oh, okay, so there you go, episode two. Um, and I have like all of season one and all of season two, and I have to actually get to it. But I was more attracted to Back to the Future because it's Back to the Future, right? So I'll, I'll get to you it. You loved your time travel. <laughs> oh, um, well, when you finish talking about it, I'll find out how far you got. I oh well I was just gonna say that I right now I am trying to figure out a way to knock out those the, the soda poppers. Um, so ah, I'm only in like the first fun. half hour of the game. Um, mm-hmm. I I have gone to Sybils, who is now a, a licensed psychotherapist, which I think is funny. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean again, kind of like um, kind of like a, a, a puzzle agent. It, it's 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 enjoyable just for its aesthetic and. You know the dialogue and the story, and and trying to figure out how to get for, you know how to get things certain things done. Uh, it remains to be seen, though, how well uh, whatever you know puzzles, so to speak, because I don't know if you could really consider them puzzles in classic adventure games. Like more more as I, I, for lack of a better word, they're puzzles. But you know what I mean. Yeah. Like I, I don't know what else to call them. Uh, we'll see how they hold up, um, and you know especially in light of Puzzle Agent, which I think is super unique the way that it is aside from the fact that it's basically latent on PC like uh, aesthetically um, you know we'll, we'll see how that pans out but I, I have let's see I, I think from the Steam sale I got like the first two seasons maybe uh, yeah the first two seasons so we'll see if I can last throughout all of them uh, the last thing that I picked up and played uh, I threatened to do this last week and I made good on my threat um, I stuck in Twilight Princess for GameCube and I started playing it and dear god it's good to play Zelda with a GameCube controller. Like I, <laughs> I, I, I know some some people probably think that I'm over exaggerating it, or like you know, oh the Wii version's fine, and it is. The Wii version's a fantastic game. It it is to me, Twilight Princess is the best um, 
3D Zelda game, and I played it on Wii first. So obviously I have no problems with Wii game. But the other thing, I realize that the GameCube controller is a bastard child to many people, and I realize that it is it is strictly because of the controller that the, that the console did very poorly, um, because it just didn't have the right configuration for a lot of the games that a lot of people like to play. I understand right. that, but it still remains my favorite controller to hold in the hand and just to experience. I know I can't play Street Fighter with it, but the games that I like playing with it, I would not want to play with other controllers. So, you know, I guess... I guess that's kind of saying like, um, would you rather have something that's balanced, or would you rather have something that's inconsistent, but at its at its best is really good, and at its worst is really bad? Uh, you know, fine. If you want to say that, yes, then I would rather have the extremes for this one in this case. Um, and you know, ha- hey, having the right stick to move your camera around is a lot more comforting than you would think, because remember, in Twilight Princess for Wii, you couldn't really do that as easily, if at all. Mm. Yeah, because you'd have to basically move the the remote to the edges. Yeah, but that's e- even that. Like, you couldn't you couldn't readily do that um, when you were just walking around, right? Like that was only possible when you were shooting something. Or I don't really remember. Um, no, the shooting it, thing. It wasn't really. Sorry, go ahead. Something uh, I was gonna say. I don't really remember because it wasn't really something significant in my experience. <laughs> so I I can't tell you. Right. Uh, I think the shooting, I mean, obviously the shooting was fine, but, mm-hmm. um, like, moving around and moving the camera obviously was not really an, an available option. And, again, it's a little thing, like being able to press a button to swing your sword. I know it's a really little thing, but it, it makes a difference to me. It doesn't inherently make the entire game better. I'm not saying that. Uh, there's still something to be said about swinging the nunchuck to do a spin attack, which you can't do here, obviously. Um... There's something to be said about the ability to shoot with the Wii remote. There's something to be said about the fact that it's in widescreen on the Wii. So I'm not sitting here saying that I choose a GameCube version over the Wii version at all, but there's definitely a reason why I bought both versions, and I'm sticking to it. You know, like it's it's one of those things where it's like, oh, I shouldn't have bought the GameCube one. The 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 the, the Wii one was good enough. And it's like, no, I'm glad that I bought the GameCube one, and I'm glad that I've started to play through it now. Um. It, it graphically it looks the same, except it's not in widescreen. Um, <laughs> I, you know, I actually had to do a double take. Like I, I, I you know, and this is one thing. One of the things that I kind of groused about when I was playing Twilight Princess earlier, it was like, you know, what those ground textures that people are laughing at, they are kind of bad. Um, and then when I was playing the Cube version, I was like, I don't remember them being this bad. And then I looked up screenshots of the Wii version. I'm like, oh yeah, they were. <laughs> so uh-huh. I was like, oh well. But yeah, I mean, it's it's you know the same great Zelda formula. Um, that that was started with Ocarina, and I, you know, it is actually making me want to go back and, and, and get the 3DS version of Ocarina simply because, again, part of the reason why that game frustrated me was, you know, because it was old, and the visuals, like, made me sick a little bit. And, you know, maybe uh, maybe it just takes a new coat of paint and a smoother frame rate for me to be able to deal with it. So... I don't know. I mean, like, and, and, and there are a whole bunch of games that I know that I'm never going to get to play and I'm going to sell off anyway, so I might as well put that to, to good use to something that I know I'll play if I did buy it. Um, mm. So. Mmm. Mmm. Mm. Don't be downtrodden. Mm. Be happy. Mmm. Mm. Anyway, that's all I've been playing. Um, aside from the Netflix snafu on my 3DS. Um, oh, I've been, I guess, I guess just, just throw it in the hat, throw something in the hat. I did get Cut the Rope, Peggle, and uh, what 
the fuck is it called? Uh, apparatus. Nano panda. Oh, I got the nano panda. Yeah, A- apparatus on the droid uh, from the from the Android uh, Amazon app marketplace What's thingy. Apparatus. A- apparatus is like well, I only <laughs> I only played the original uh, the original. I only played the initial level, but basically you have you have a, a marble and you're trying to get it from one point to another, and you have like a shape that you have to place somewhere on the playing field. And all the shapes are made out of, like, household objects, like protractors or, like, hammers or rulers or something. And so, like, when you place you place the shape and you press play, and the marble just goes. And if you place the shape in the right orientation, the marble will, you know, make its way to the finish point. So, mm-hmm. um, it's it's one of the simple things. And um, Peggle on the, uh, on the on Droid, like, because I have an original Droid that's really old, it reboots it half the time and then doesn't load 25% of the other time. But when it does play the last 25% of the time, <laughs> it's Peggle. It works fine. And it's Peggle. Um, Cut the Rope is is one of those um, Angry Birds-esque games where it's somewhat physics-based and it's also just one panel, like one stage. You have to figure out how to get three stars or the most stars possible. And you, like, you figure it out and you move to the next one. You figure it out, you move to the next one. It's not like a platform or anything like that. Mm-hmm. There is a monster at the bottom of the screen that eats candy, and the candy is usually tied to a string uh, or several strings in different configurations. And your job is to cut the string or cut the rope such that the candy falls into the monster's mouth. But before you do that, if you cut the rope in a certain way, like the candy kind of swings it because it's hanging from ropes tied to pegs. And because it's physics-based, if you cut certain ropes, like you'll make the candy swing around because of because of physics and science. And right, right. like there are stars just hanging out there, just like oh, I'm a star, I'm here, you can pick me up. And so if you manage to cut the rope in such a way that the candy swings around and picks up all the stars and then drops into the monster's mouth, then you've done the best that you can on that level. Um, and so it becomes really interesting when they have multiple ropes tied to the candy from multiple pegs, and like you're trying to figure out, well, if I cut this one, which way will the candy react? And how is it possible for me to grab all these stars and get to the monster's mouth? But yet again, that is also a game that either reboots my phone or exits out to the desk to exits to desktop. Wow, what a PC term! Exits to home screen, <laughs> um, like eighty percent of the time. So it's yeah, I need a new phone <laughs> if I want to play these games. But the thing is, I kind of don't care, especially since I got them for free, so it's not that big a deal. I just want a better phone because I don't want it to keep rebooting on me, and it's old, and it's turning hot. Anyway, that's enough about mobile gaming and Twilight Princess and 7 Max and Big Titty Girls and Infinite Discoverers. Undiscover. We shall be right back. We're going to go to the mailbag. Peace. back uh, with the mailbag question that I put forth on G+. I'll Google+, Plus. I guess that's what it's officially called. If there was a video game apocalypse where no more new video games would be released after today, and they would cease to exist entirely shortly, what would be your five farewell tour games that would speak to your lifetime with the medium? 
They don't have to be your favorite. In fact, don't cop out and just make them all your favorites. That that was kind of the stipulation. I mean, if you did, fine. But like the object was not to be like, oh, well, this is my favorite game, so it has to be this. But more of a representation of you know, and, and which it could also be like a terrible game that really shaped how you you know how how it really shaped your preferences for the medium. Um, so I'm saying that for our sakes, even though we didn't. Well, I'm saying that for our sakes because we didn't come up with our own five. Um, yeah. But I will start off with uh, two. We have two contributions to the mailbag. Um, one from a chiropractor who has a very short but pointed statement. So Matthew Graves... Doctor! Doctor! Matthew Graves says, Well, I hope there are systems to play the games on. Yes, there are. Uh, that's, <laughs> that's the one. <laughs> I will assume that all systems will be present... Well, at least the top five systems. Sorry, PlayStation, you died in my apocalypse. So his five, in order, uh, in reverse order, are Soul Calibur, Super Mario Three, NBA Live '95, which I would count as a, sh- a somewhat cruddy game that still defined, you know, because he's a big basketball. Yeah, nut. I used to like Live '95. Yeah. I think it's so the last I. live game I ever played. NBA Live, uh, Rainbow Six Las Vegas, and number one, Contra. Uh, which is a good choice. That's always that always a good that choice. That game's got legs. Got legs. Uh, Pete 3rd Chair, writes in and says, So I'll try to keep this short, which he obviously doesn't, and why would you? No. Uh, also, I was unsure if this question meant that we could only play these five games once, and then we would never be playing games again, so they were, these would essentially be our final gaming moments. That is correct. Or if we would get to play only these five games in perpetuity, that is not correct. So the first one is correct. I was saying that like these are your farewell tour. The five last games that you'd be like, all right, well, this is what kind of encapsulated my experience with gaming. Um, and then we're done. Uh, number one, he puts The Legend of Zelda, A Link to the Past, probably my favorite contribution on this list. Um, my feelings on this game have probably been explained to death on this podcast, but I'll just state here that this was the game played by me and my childhood best friend who passed away last year. I'm very sorry to hear that. Hell, it's essentially the reason we became friends in the first place, so I'll have my own... I, I'd have my own reasons, but I'd also need to play it once more for him. Two, Counter-Strike, most likely version 1.6. Despite having played many of the early first-person shooter games, it was this game that first truly showed me what a gaming addiction could be like. From messing around in pubs with mods early on to starting and failing at running a server hosting business up to trying to go pro and competing in local as well as CAL tournaments with some of my best friends. Counter-Strike defined and almost had exclusive hold over a large chunk of my life. Three, Dance Dance Revolution or possibly Stepmania. Having passing experience with early music and rhythm games, the genre didn't really get its hooks into me until DDR came around on the PS2. Then, when I discovered the free PC knockoff Stepmania, built up a sizable library of songs and began running weekly tournaments for it at my local land center, I found out what it was like to be part of a truly social gaming community, making new friends, meeting up to practice and play, helping each other advance, and generally just all being obsessed with this game, you may think, well, couldn't the same be said for your Counter-Strike experiences? And I'd say not in the same way that this was. While I was part of a CS community, it had a tendency to feel cold and mechanical and stressful at times, but DDR Step Mania was ne- never anything but pure fun. I could totally see that. Like, when you're in a first-person shooter social community, all those people are, like, you know, they're, they're, they're you know, they're, they're, har- they're either hard asses or complete griefers. Like, oh, yeah. You always have to be coordinated. You're, and you're talking about like Rock Band or Step Mania or anything like that. It's just like, yo, let's rock the fuck out, you know? 
Yeah, it doesn't matter if you fuck up. Yeah. Especially now that no, no one ever plays, like, with the regular rules anymore. You just turn on no fail. Yeah. Uh, four and five are where I really have problems. It was easy for me to pick those first three without hesitation. I'm sort of picking four and five on a whim here based on current feelings instead of long-standing ones. So I'm leaving these two slides... Sorry, these two slots open to change for the actual apocalypse happens. Four, Super Meat Boy. I know it seems like a cop-out to pick the game that I've been obsessing over as of late. Maybe a year or so from now, I won't be as willing to name it as one of my all-time favorite games. But that's not what this question is about anyway. You are correct. If this is about playing games that are defining or important to us in some way, then this fits the bill. I'm enamored with simple try-fail-repeat games that can be brutally hard but just as rewarding. I feel that Super Meat Boy is the culmination of everything these types of games can do right whilst leaving out most of what can be wrong. The challenge reward system in Super Meat Boy is the best I've seen from these types of games. The character unlocks are brilliant and are more than just simple skin wraps. Uh, skin... Wow, skin wrap. <laughs> skin skin swaps. I am sorry. Sorry. Skin swaps. The majority of stages are expertly designed for a perfect balance of challenge and accomplishment. Also, I don't think I've had anything closer to a gaming or- orgasm than when I finally completed the kids' warp zone levels for the first time and unlocked him. Seriously, gaming orgasm. Five, Rock Band. I guess Rock Band 3 for the sake of DLC and song imports. I was having such a tough time justifying putting a second music rhythm game on this list, but the more I thought about it, I knew the perfect reason why this had to be included. It's simple. No other game has truly made me feel as good about myself as Rock Band has. I could play any of these other games and be awesome at them and feel proud as a gamer, but when I play Rock Band, whether alone in my apartment, with a group of friends in a hotel room, hey, or in front of a large drunken crowd while wearing a silly outfit, I just feel good inside as a person. The game simply breathes and breeds camaraderie and group happiness. Couldn't ask for a better feeling to be saying goodbye to gaming with, although it'd be an incredibly bittersweet goodbye. There, I answered your question about as short as a Pete answer could answer it. That was terrible. I'm going to read that again. There, answered your question in about as short a Pete could answer it. As short as a Pete could answer it. There you go. I hope you're happy, and I hope I didn't fuck up any simple words. Hyperbole! Yeah, you actually can't... No, you're fine. You actually made it past that with flying colors. Um, I'll give you time to think, Al, because his list inspired some entries of mine. Um, Okay. And, you know, I'm just doing this on reflex but one would be heavy rain uh and i say one would be not number one but just one of them would be heavy rain um right, right. definitely a game i had huge problems with but that i thoroughly enjoyed a lot because I, I i appreciated how it turned this curmudgeon of oh you know gameplay 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 into a wow this can actually work if they do it right i can actually see myself playing these types of quote games end quote, and not be all like, oh, the gameplay is terrible, therefore I don't like it. Like, it takes a lot for a game to do that to me. And I think that Heavy Rain, in just what it strives to do from a storytelling perspective, um, and an interactive interactive story, I should say, perspective, and not not really a game, but not a passive experience either, I think was such a such an important step. And I think I, I think more so than Indigo Prophecy, and a lot of it does admittedly have to do with the technology behind it. Um mm. But yeah, I'd have yeah. to say that um, one of them would be Guitar Hero 2, specifically Guitar Hero 2. Um, that showed me how a rhythm casual game could still really, really inspire Street Fighter tournament level competition and and uh, seriousness and you know, obsessiveness with getting something perfect and the timing down right. Um, 
it, it, even past the whole I've memorized this entire song and my, my my muscle memory is spot on. But even stupid little things like learning how to squeeze, you know. And, and for the, for those people who don't know what the hell squeezing is in Guitar Hero, case in point, you know, a really obscure tactic that like people who care about their score do. Most people who play Guitar Hero don't give a shit about score, but like the fact that you can actually sit there and do that and get super competitive with that is, you know, one of the reasons why Guitar Hero Two, you know, kind of sticks in my mind. And I, I, I think about that before Rock Band because because I still kind of got that party sensation when you know when you step back and you said, you know what, I don't want to compete today. I just want to throw my friend a second guitar, and he'll be bass, and I'll be lead, and we'll just have fun. And people who know these songs will sing along to them. I mean, honestly, Rock Band would probably be a better fit in general as a game, but again, for the sake of saying, like, okay, this is my farewell tour, I'm going to revisit the ones that really, you know, are the influential ones, that's got to be it. Mm-hmm. Um, uh-huh. I, I, by default, I have to say Final Fantasy IV. Because when we were talking about our most influential games... And Final Fantasy IV right. was one of them. There's like by default, I can't not put that on this list. Um, and I say that begrudgingly because obviously six is my favorite game in the series. True. Uh, and nine, I think, is the culmination of everything that I liked about four and six, four, five, and six. Um, but four again is is that that most influential one, and it's one of those things where it's like, well, if I really want to go back and take a look at what started all this, what really brought me into this type of world, it's four. Um, let's see, fourth on the list, what would I put? Hmm. I would have to, I would have to go with Mario World. Not Mario 3, but Mario World. Um, Mm -hmm. for the way that it broke out its design in the secrets, and I think it's really the secrets. That's what did it. Um, secrets on the map, uh, secrets found within the levels. I should say I should say secrets within levels and then secret exits that led to more secrets on the map. Um, the the advent of just like these wide open worlds um, on a console. Um, again, certainly not the best Mario game, not anymore because Galaxy. Oh my God, that is that's a fucking game. But certainly, you know, really, really super important. Um, and then. This may seem like a cop-out because it's recent and I've always been obsessed with it, but I would say Assassin's Creed 2. Again, not Brotherhood, which is a better game and I like it better, but 2. Because, again, that's the one that brought me in. I don't like open-world games. I don't. I just don't. I could never get into Grand Theft Auto, and the only reason why I like Oblivion as much as I do is because um, I... I don't know. I, I don't really feel like it's an open-world game like the other ones are because there's so much RPG-ness to it. And um, I don't know. Maybe I'm just a sucker for, for nerd stuff. But Assassin's Creed 2 basically said, yo, here's an open-world game, and I dare you not to like this piece of shit. And I'm like, this is not a piece of shit. I like it a lot, and I've been proven wrong. Uh, and he climbs fast. So there you go. Um, <laughs> of course, again, this list was on a whim. Um, it could be subject to change, but I think like these are kind of these are kind of culmin- a culmination of like my experience, like old school, new school, um, old school being the Mario one, old school, new school, um, you know, socially, uh, you know, whatever. And I already forgot what the first game that I put that was, but no, Heavy Rain, uh, <laughs> aesthetically, you know. But I hope I've given you enough time to mull it over. I already have my list. Nice. 
Uh, first game on my list is Virtual Fighter Five, mm. and I say Virtual Fighter Five as opposed to Virtual Fighter Two, which is my favorite Virtual Fighter, or Virtual Fighter Four, which is probably my second favorite Virtual Fighter because of the modes. Is because Virtual Fighter Five is is very polished and it's very smooth, and I haven't really learned it, so I would play it. With express intention of just like really learning it and getting everything down with the characters that um, I, you know, like my favorite characters. Like that would be my fighting game that I would, uh, you know, pour my 40 over. <laughs> so to speak. So to speak. Um, so you don't want to do that on, while you're still using it? No, definitely not. Next on the list is Chrono Trigger. And I uh... um, would have to say that. Uh, while Final Fantasy IV has had brought me into RPGs as a whole, and Final Fantasy VI put the word epic into the RPG, Chrono Trigger would be the end-all be-all for me of uh, just like that era. Mm-hmm. But I'm also going to say that that's not the only RPG on the list uh, because of the fact that, you know... There are certain influences and certain things that I just can't let go of. And Chrono Trigger would take me a long time to finish because I would want to go through every single ending. And, you know, just that, that like, delay would be worth it. You know, oh, yeah, yeah, the Game of Apocalypse is happening. Just wait till I finish Chrono Trigger, right? <laughs> uh, third on the list is Metroid Zero Mission. And that's because <gasps> Metroid is is pretty much, I think... I would have to say that Metroid is my favorite uh, oh. franchise. I I'm I'd sorry I'm sorry that I'm gasping. I just because mm-hmm. uh, Metroid Prime has to be on mine, and I oh my god! I <laughs> fuck, you only fuck. said five games, so you can't right. You know, but then I very have to, tough no, choices. That's here. what I'm saying. I have to knock one off. <laughs> oh, you have to knock one off from Metroid so, Prime. I have to think about it, but keep going. Because mm. I mean, I I just. Thought about something. I just thought about sin and punishment. And I would I, knock I would off not. Assassin's Creed. There, I, I said it. I would so- knock off Assassin's. You knock off Assassin's Creed yeah. for uh, Metro Prime? Prime. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, essentially, Metro Zero Mission is a game that I could, I could pick that game up, and relearn it, and go through it another fifty times before I put it down, and that would probably be what would happen if that was the last thing that I had to play on my uh, GBA. Right. Um. Next is Final Fantasy IV Complete, because I gotta have my heapin' helpings of Final Fantasy IV, and this is everything. This is Final Fantasy IV, plus a 10-hour interlude between four and after years, and after years, and hopefully after years is tweaked such that it would actually be possible to, like, go through it and, and not experience what I experienced on Wii, which is just, you know, a, a sudden jump in difficulty. Uh, and this, that sudden that sudden jump in difficulty prevented me from finishing the game. But thankfully, and not really thankfully, I had to repair my Wii and I had to delete you know all my save stuff. So um, I might actually go through after years again on Wii and play it differently, knowing that I can't just go through the game like a regular RPG. I actually have to spend time on each chapter and preparing my characters for later. Mm. Fifth game 
and it's probably going to throw you. But the fifth game on the list is Kirby's Adventure for NES. Ooh. Kirby's game. Adventure Great game. is is a fantastic platformer. Uh, you know, it's pretty much like a almost like a culmination of what the Kirby games like you know, there were only two Kirby games before it, but it's pretty much like a summation of what Kirby is about. It's about jumping, it's about sucking in shit and blowing shit out and taking motherfuckers' powers. <laughs> and sucking him in and blowing <laughs> shit out. Yeah. Taking his power. And uh, just as a side note, this new Kirby Wii game that's coming out, which apparently Kirby Wii is still a tentative title. Um, uh, the 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 one that had that doesn't have the the uh, yarn styling. Yes, yeah, the one that's coming out at the end of the year this year. Right. Uh, that game is when I play it. That game might actually take Kirby's Adventure off the list, but I haven't played it yet. So uh, I was looking at some stuff, um, you know. Kirby's able to like suck in these large blocks now, and he can do other things, and then he can suck in people's powers and then upgrade them. This is not a podcast for people with twelve-year-old sense of humor. Ah, uh, um, there's this one like you get a sword and you cut stuff up, but then all of a sudden he like gets this huge sword that's like the size of the screen. He's like chopping shit down, and that's just ridiculous. And on top of that, it's a four-player, you know, a la Super Mario Brothers Wii, uh, kind of game. And that, just as another side note, that and, like, Rayman Origins, you know, those, those are games that are, like, now all kind of following that four-player platforming suit, which I think is a pretty good thing that they're Oh, Origins they're taking... is, uh, is multiplayer? Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Four-player. That uh, looks really interesting, by the way, like, that, that visual. Yeah. Thing. Anyway. I think that they're taking the right franchises and doing the four-player co-op uh, platforming idea on it. Mm-hmm. And, of course, it's coming out for the week. So, uh, it's a good place for those kinds of games. And that's my list. Good list. All right, so anybody who still wants to write in for shits and giggles, feel free to do so. Remember, the gaming apocalypse is happening at some undetermined period of time, uh, and games have ceased to be made after today. So, what you want to do is, huh? That day. That, no. Not today. No, no, today. Because then someone uh, might say, oh, well, this game is going to come out tomorrow, so I'll wait to play it to see how I feel about that. Oh, okay, so I'm the gaming apocalypse about... is happening someday, but the games are stopping today. Right, so that you can't say, well, I'm going to wait a month for Madden. So that means the gaming apocalypse happens today. No, games stop being made today, but when the gaming apocalypse happens, all games are gone. Oh, oh so that's never what play the gaming them apocalypse is. The that's games why... Are just... They proof right. the the gaming rapture. Gone. That's why I said it's a farewell tour because you'll never get to play games ever again. Oh, I see. I thought that the gaming apocalypse was just the ceasing of no of games, and then you get to play those, and after you play those, then somebody comes and takes them away from you. Yeah, that's the pre-apocalypse. Um, <laughs> so yeah, list five games. Uh, show me what you got. If you have to cop out and and you can only think of your favorites, fine. But I think the challenge here is to is to think about what you think has shaped your um your experience from. And again, bad games are, are are totally legit. If you want to sit there and go, I remember how shitty this was. Didn't want to sit there. Monster Party. <laughs> or like no, Monster Party was an okay game. Yeah, it's like I I want to remember how Street Fighter Two on the PC tainted my childhood forever. Then go right ahead. All Street Fighter Twenty Ten. Oh God, with Ken. X Men for Nintendo. Oh oh, fuck you, LJN. We'll be right back.
we're back for our final segment talking about, uh, and I totally forgot to put all timestamps of our breaks on my notepad, so this will be fun to edit, folks. So if this comes out on Thursday, don't blame me, blame me. Um, <laughs> yes, okay, so we're talking about something that happened on the Today Show. It was a small segment. Uh, what, what exactly was the segment? It was like about like men and relationships. Uh, I don't know, but I'm going to find out. I'm going to go and click on this link because it did talk about it. Uh, do, 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 Gifford, Cobb, and advertising. Cobb or exa- I don't know. Uh, maybe Cobb. the T stop. It's Cotby. It's Cotby. Cotby? Yeah. That's weird. Hold a Cotby. Cotby. It's Egyptian. Yeah, I know, but still. That's no, no. racist. That's just <laughs> racist. Uh, yeah, an advertising exec dude advice giver. Uh, dude advice giver. Donnie Deutsch, author of The Big Idea, How to Make Your Entrepreneurial Dreams Come True from the Aha Moment to Your First Million. Uh, they, oh, that didn't even say it. Who knows what the hell they were talking about? Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I think they were talking about, like, men in relationships, because I remember there's another question that a, 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 a viewer sent in about, like, something, something or other. And yeah. then, like, you can tell what, we didn't do our research. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I watched it. I just don't remember exactly what it was because oh, I was focused on. Yeah, see, I didn't watch it. Oh, see, I, I did. So what? Ha- here's so here's what happened. They had a question. It was like, oh, you know, what do you think of X Y Z? It was like, oh, it was something. Is it normal? Ab- it was it, something about like, um, d- I heard that sometimes guys actually prefer needy women as opposed to independent one, which kind of defies the stereotypical conventional thought of guys being like, yo, man, she's so needy, eh? she's too clingy, you know. But the uh-huh. question was, you know, I heard that guys prefer needy women. Like, what, you know, what's your take on that? And he was like, well, you know, guys like feeling appreciated and whatever. Like, that. so it's it was that type of segment. Mm-hmm. And then the question came up was like, is it normal for a guy in his thirties to still play video games? And the kind of immediate reaction was like, eh, nah, yeah, uh, that's that's weird. Uh, Xbox, uh, that's weird. I don't know about that. And it's like. And the guy was like, "Yeah, there's there should be stuff in your life other than video games that you should be concentrating on." I don't, you know, I don't see that as a normal thing. And then like the the ladies go like, "Yeah, it's, but but." And then I think Kathy Lee was like, "Well, no, if if you play it with your kids, then that's okay." He's like, "No, well, no, that's different because you're focusing on your kids." And then like Hoda or one of the other ones is like, "Oh yeah, so it's it's just you know the weird pasty ones in the basement that that that's just weird, yeah, that was Hoda, you know." And superficially, you read a Kotaku blog post on it, you get all up in arms, you're like, oh, they're full of shit, they're, they, they just don't understand the medium, they don't appreciate it, blah, blah, blah. I agree. They, they're, you're right. They don't understand the medium. They don't get it. Um, they're super dismissive. But when Kotaku puts out, well, not just Kotaku, when, when someone takes that and puts a blog post about it and pastes it up there, I feel like, I feel like you're going to get more up in arms than you need to be worried about. It, oh, was, it was one of those things that was mentioned a little bit in passing. Um, it was one of those things lumped up with other topics that they probably answered just as stupidly or just as smartly. You never know. Um, and this is something that you and I were briefly chatting on Gchat about, um, and I, you know, we both said, well, we'll save it for the cast. Um, mm-hmm. But what I think, is, yes, they, they don't understand the medium, but I think it's also just as much the fault of the industry because it's, you know, to the mainstream, it has portrayed video games as juvenile, uh, testosterone-induced, and just like, you know, oh yeah, Call of Duty, you know, be, be, fight the war, blah, 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 bl
so much. The ones that have all these bombastic commercials during the Super Bowl and all that shit. Call of Duty, you know. It's mm-hmm. it, and and I'm not I'm not saying oh Activision oh you're terrible for making Call of Duty. Absolutely not. Call of Duty is a fine game. I don't happen to like it, but it's a fine game. Um, but because that is so prevalent in our society as the picture of what video games are and things like Kirby's Epic Yarn, Flower, which, you know, again, I don't personally care for, but, that you know, it, it, it bears mentioning. Uh, Flower, something like Heavy Rain, which, which is why I mentioned it. You know, Bioshock, which at the very least ch- attempts to challenge people's I- ideals, or at least is, is a... Is a treatise, however flawed it may be, on objectivism. And I know objectivism mm-hmm. students will probably say he did it the wrong way, but you know, at least he tried um, to do something about it instead of just saying, "Yo, we go and shoot some shit up and then like drill you, drill you in the face with like my drill." <laughs> um, there, there's a lot to to it that I think is is completely lost because of you know what the mainstream does to it. And 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 one might say, well, what about movies? It's the same way. It was like, okay, granted that we get the summer blockbusters like Shitformers, Dark of the Shit, and like <laughs> shit Fast shit. and like Fast 69 and all that crap um, that make a lot of money and that's a summer blockbuster and that people dro- fl- flock to in droves. But the, the medium is already an established medium within our culture. Um, it has... You know, an established set of critics that who are recognized by the mainstream culture as critics who, you know, are looking at things from a quote unquote higher angle. And I don't mean higher isn't better, but just like, you know, at, at a different, you know, they, they, they consider it high art or whatever, you know, because that's out there. And we don't yet have that for games. And so because we don't have that, the mainstream image of it is so, so prevalent that it's really hard for anybody to get that picture. So, as much as we want to sit there and go like that segment's a piece of shit, they're not going to know any better, and they should. But we, we, I, I shouldn't say we, the industry should do th- should think about doing a better job of representing the medium in its marketing and in, in its you know whatever. Um, and then you know we get to the comment that she says, "Oh, the weird ones in the basement." Well, not to speak for anyone else's living situation, but I- I'm going to come out and say it. Like if if you are 37. And you are living in the basement, you know, and doing nothing but playing video games. That's an exaggeration. But mostly playing video games all day. That's that's the image that, that people have of it. Because there are people who do it. And I'm not going to judge what one chooses to do with their life. But I do agree with the guy when he says uh, on a high level that, like, you know, at certain points in your life, there should be other things that you're focusing on. I don't think that you should not be focusing on games if that's what you like. But it's something that you and I have both said, Al, on this podcast quite a few times. Be well-rounded as mm-hmm. a human being. There's a lot more to this world than just playing video games or than just working or than just reading books or just be well-rounded. I mean, like, every every time, you know, you get someone, like, saying, oh, the, you know, they're, they're, like, they all think that we're pasty. Well, you know what? Because the, the people who get the exposure are the pasty basement dwellers, yeah. as they call it. And, like... I'm sorry, but if if you, if you want to change that perspective, you know, do something else in addition to what your hobby is. Because that's what this is. This is a hobby. This is something I enjoy. It's a medium that I'm passionate about from an artistic standpoint. But it's not all that I'm about, and it's not all that you're about, and it's not all that anyone should be about. So, you know, while I am upset that the mainstream media continues to to not understand 
the medium and not be willing to understand the medium, there's also the onus on the medium to allow itself to be understood, and the industry is not helping that along. And the people who who say, I don't give a fuck what you think, I'm going to stay in my basement, also don't help. So if you're listening to this podcast and you're offended because you consider yourself a basement dweller and you're over 30, I apologize if you get offended by that, but maybe go outside and have a few drinks with some buddies once in a while. That's all I'm saying. Or just, just go outside. Maybe maybe preferably during the day, like when when there's sun. <laughs> yeah. Helps. It, it, Your it, turn. It definitely helps. Yeah. Your turn. I, I babbled on too much. Oh. Um, sorry. <laughs> I thought we were doing a double Cyclops thing here in Marvel vs. Capcom. Your turn. I'll take blast. So, oh, oh. I, I didn't hear. I, I thought you said, I'll take the blast. I'm like, what? Oh, no, no, no. I'll just, take I'll blast. Take blast. Yeah. Okay. I'll take blast. Uh, Big portrait on screen. Pause for a second. And then the move comes out. There we go. Hmm. Let's see. Well, uh, this one's a tough one to start. I feel like. Caught B. <laughs> now, 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 no way to end. No, um, <laughs> Caught B. I think that video games as a, uh, a hobby, as a thing to do, because it started back when most of us 30 and 40 year olds were born or in our childhood, mm. uh, it's something that we took up and we have, you know, we, we practice our hobby as adults and we find time to do that that's perfectly fine um i do believe that uh you know everything should be done in moderation whether that be things that are good for you or things that are just hobbies or even things that are kind of bad for you like you know like drinking alcohol and uh uh drinking Drinking alcohol drinking crack See, I, I wouldn't want to be an advocate of smoking <laughs> crack or drinking crack uh, in moderation. Yeah, of course not. Uh, but anyhow, you know, when you start getting into excess and you start, you know, saying, you know, the whole basement dweller slash pasty da-da-da type of person and, you know, the – yeah, it, it's not really normal to, to to play video games to that extent. Uh, I don't think it's normal to do that at any age, but, um, it's certainly significant at 30. Right. Um, I think that if you are a child, uh, or a teenager, no, no, I think that even if you're a child, if you're like six, seven, eight years old and you're playing video games all the time, you're not going outside, you're not playing with other kids, you're not doing anything with anybody else just sitting at home or maybe you're doing things with other people but they come over to your house and they play video games too you know um it it doesn't really help your your social outlook as a child you know you go to school every day and the only thing you talk about is video games and you go home and the only thing you talk about to your family is video games because that's all you know and then once you know you start to get of age where uh people of varying lifestyles start to come into your life you start to look dull because you you're only one-sided mm-hmm. now as a teenager you know it, it it's pretty much exacerbated because and now you have a, a social ladder that you have to deal with in high school and uh you know believe it or not the people who you meet and who you get to know in high school provided that you go to the same school for pretty much the entire uh four years or you know, if you go to like a junior high school or 
junior high school, high school, and everybody kind of migrates to six, seven, eight years. Those are the people you're going to know for the rest of your life. And, you know, you, you tend to foster some of your, your strongest friendships in, in high school. And it's all a lot of times a part of that social ladder. And your friend base can be very, very small if all you do is play video games and you don't really go out and socialize. Uh, right. And then have that lead on into uh, if, if you even happen to make it to college because who knows? You could be playing video games so much that you fell out of school. <laughs> there is situations like that. Right. Or you could play video games so much um, and that, you know, you do you go home, you do your homework, and you're really good at school. And so you knock school out real quick, and then you just play games for the rest of the night. Um you know, it, it's a choice that you make, and as a teenager, you're not really punished for it as much as you are as a, a, an adult, because as an adult, you are no longer under that umbrella of uh, the safety of living with your parents and safety of having your needs provided for you. Now, it's time for you to get out into that world and and make money and get a place to live and, uh, you know, be self-sufficient find a mate, get married, have children, do all the societal things. And um, taking all of that into account, I think it is perfectly normal for someone in 2011 to be 30 and above and play video mm. games in moderation as a hobby. Let me interject there. I forgot mm. to like answer that that specific question point blank, and obviously I, obviously I think it's normal. So <laughs> mm-hmm. just have to put that down there on paper. Sorry. On camera? On paper. Oh, on paper. Even though there's no paper. Yeah, even though there's no paper or camera. Yeah. Um, on tape. There's no tape mm. either, but hey. Uh, in bits and bytes. Yes. In bytes. On your iPod today! Or Zoom. Or Android phone. Yeah. Or PC. Yeah. Or, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> I feel like, uh, you know, there's a stigma of you play video games, you are automatically lumped into this category where you play video games too much. Um, that sucks because, you know, there are many different kinds of people who do many different kinds of things. Um, you know, there are people who make thousands upon thousands of dollars as, um, celebrities, movie stars. Um, let's say, uh, Mila Kunis, she plays World of Warcraft, which is supposed to be like the, the most addictive game in the universe right now. Um, you know, are you going to lump her into the pasty basement dwellers? No. I uh, hope not. Right. This, and this I, is Mila fucking Kunis we're talking about. She's yes. not even pasty. Right, exactly. <laughs> and um, she's I a do believe... Skin colored. <laughs> I do believe that she's probably younger than me. Probably. But she might be my age. I don't know. We could, I don't know if you want to look I'll, I'll look it up while you, okay. while you uh, continue. Because I'm kind of sitting in the middle of my floor. I'm not really at the computer because I'm trying to get as much <laughs> fan as possible here. It's really hot. Um, anyhow, she's a woman. She's not really the the topic of our discussion. But one might one might argue though that uh, if the question were, is it normal for a woman to play video games? They those folks on the show would probably be like even less so. That's than... true because of the lack of understanding. Right. Because I think that in, a, in in this world, women can pretty much do anything they want and make it look sexy, and well, anything, right. but anything normal, <laughs> they can pretty much do anything normal. That a Mila lot of Kunis, times, 
Mila Kunis is younger than both of us. Ah. 1983. Damn. 27. Or will be... Twank is 28 this uh, year, Birthday's in August, so she will be 28. Yeah. Okay. And A I'll, week I, and two days before me. I will be 31 in four days. Everyone say happy birthday to Al. Uh, whatever. Uh, anyway. This podcast will be posted on his birthday, probably. Probably. <laughs> uh... What was I saying? I was saying that when taken in moderation, when you say, um, you know, your normal weekly game intake is like at least, not even at least, at most, 10 hours a week. That's roughly on a seven-day week, that's less than two hours a day. Um, You know, I don't get to play games every day. Uh, I try to sneak some games in at work. I try and, you know, get a little bit of gaming in at home, but most of the time I'm tired. And, you know, it's summertime. It's really hot. Some wintertime is really cold. And, you know, sometimes I just don't feel like playing the games that I have because I have a lot of intense games and things like that. And uh, I just thought about a game that I wanted to put on my list, but I didn't put it on the list, which is Ikaruga. But we're not talking about that right now. Uh, but I still feel like maybe on my day off or on uh, a, a Saturday or a Friday or something like that or a day that I designate I'm going to play such and such I might be able to play for three hours at a clip or something like that and I don't think that there should be anything wrong with that I'm married I'm about to have a child and I think that even though I am married which uh, you know technically if if I am don't play video games I you know according to well not really just I can imply that uh, the less I play video games, the better chance is for me to get a woman. Based on the fact that, oh, no, it's not normal for guys to be playing video games when they're 30. You know, you just kind of take that, you just snatch that out of there and say, right. okay, well, uh, if this is a relationship talk, a love talk, then you're trying to tell me that I play video games less, I'll be better off finding a woman. Uh, although, you know, there's so much factored into that. Uh, but I will say that I am a married and B, I am going to have a child and I spend a lot of time with my wife. Uh, it's hampered by the fact that I work and it's not hampered by the fact that I play video games. games. And on right. top of that, I try to encourage her to play with me. Uh, a lot of things that I play Ooh. and that I'm into that she, <laughs> video games <laughs> with me. A lot of the things that I play, a lot of the games that I play, she's not into. And that's perfectly fine because, well, we can't always always be alike and uh, I I need to have some personal time too so you know that it, it works and then when I have a child I have something that a child can understand and that a child would uh, like that I can bestow upon them and that I can kind of in, in, enrich their lives with because uh, believe it or not video games can enrich your life uh, you know, they can teach you about certain things. You can learn about uh, things in literature. You can learn about music. You can learn about things that are already enriching through something like video games, which as a result would make it an enrichment tool, yes? Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, you know, done correctly, it can allow someone to expand their knowledge about things because, like, for example, you play Final Fantasy IV and you face against the Four Fiends and 
say I have my child play Final Fantasy IV and they're facing against the Four Fiends and then I slip it in and say, yeah, you know, uh, their names came from this book, Dante's Inferno. Well, what's and Dante's Inferno? Then you what's Dante's Inferno? And... You talk about the, the whole thing about uh, what Dante's Inferno is about and maybe it'll pique their interest into reading that book. It, it's, it, it's, that, it's that discussion or argument that we had uh, or, or that was made, um, I think, by... Um, well, when when Metal Gear Solid Four came out, and Shane Bettenhausen and, and Sean Elliott, both part of the One Up Network at that point, were like just debating it back and forth. And Sean Elliott was like, "You know, why are you saying that? You know, oh, you can learn so much about, um, you know, PMCs and 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 the way that the world works uh, with the military from this game. Like, shouldn't like, you know, I don't think that that's where you would learn about this stuff. And you know." I think as a point of saying why Metal Gear Solid 4 was, was a better game than Half-Life, which is the, direct, the direction they were going with it, that mm-hmm. was a stupid argument. But from a standpoint of, like, just because it's not the best place to learn about it doesn't mean that it can't inspire someone to learn about it. Very true. You know? So it's exactly what you're saying. And I, I think I, I've always mentioned the same thing about music and Guitar Hero. Yes. Well, I should have known about these great bands beforehand, but I didn't. So guess what? This helped me. You right. know, for better or for worse, I learned something from it, and now I now I like more music, and that's a good thing. Very so. good thing. Um, and now I want to just take this opportunity to uh, point at some numbers that mm. were that were derived from the Kotaku article that I seem to have closed because I'm an idiot. <laughs> so we'll reopen it. <laughs> <laughs> Numbers. Yes. In the Kotaku article, they mentioned that the ESA reports that the average game player is 37 years old. The average age of the most frequent game purchaser is 41 years old. And that can mean, okay, people purchasing games for themselves or people purchasing games for their children. Uh, And 29% of Americans over the age of 50 play video games. Now, I think that these numbers can be derived from certain things. Okay, 37 years ago was... 1974. Yep. And 1974. Let, let's say let's say you start playing video games by the time you're five years old. So 1979, you've got Atari. You you've got the you've got the beginnings of the console generation. Got yes, right yes. There. Pong and um, combat, and you know, like all the Atari stuff, Space War and Pac-Man. All that stuff came out around that time. And uh, the average age of the most frequent game purchaser is 41. That's average. Of course, uh, there are a lot of older parents uh, because of the baby boom era. And now there are a lot of younger parents. And in the middle of that, in that 40 years ago, what, 40 years ago is 1971. 1971, yes. So, you know... That that person was born in 1971, and they became five when the average game player was born. And they probably have a little bit more of knowledge about just the existence of video games in the industry and everything like that, which is cool. Um, and I think that, that, that empowers them to be able to purchase games for their children. Uh, it empowers them to purchase games for themselves because they're probably, you know... 
a lot of the people who are playing a lot of the more intelligent you know the the deeper the more complex games out there like you know people playing starcraft and people who were at one point playing command and conquer because you know i would not have known anything about command and conquer had it not been for my uncle who's 15 years older than me mm. so let's see i was playing command and conquer when i was like. like 13 and i'm not even talking about him he's older <laughs> than my other uncle oh um my uncle benjamin ben. he was let's see i was 13 i think when I was playing Command Conquer, so he was 28, and now he's, you know, 45, 46, and he's still playing games. I mean, he mainly plays strategy games, so he's playing, you know, um, uh, I think he's playing StarCraft, but there was something else that he was playing a lot that I don't really remember. Um, he's playing a lot of games. Oh, well, he mainly plays Madden because he's a big football guy. Right. But he also plays strategy games, but his computer isn't really working. So he needs to upgrade his computer, get, uh, you know, some better hardware. And then he'd probably be all like all over StarCraft 2. Mm-hmm. That kind of thing. Uh, now, 29% of Americans over the age of 50 play video games. You're probably going to attribute that to like stuff like Wii and DS, I think. I would say that, uh, you know, the prevalence of Wii and the simple, uh, you know, pick up and play kind of gameplay with the remote. Uh, really is attractive to people who are uh, over 50. And, you know, a lot of people, like, as far as I've heard, not even, I wouldn't even go a lot, but there are stories of people whose grandmothers own DSs and DSIs. Right, yeah, 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 I've certainly heard that. You know, I mean, uh, I, uh, ah. I don't remember his real name, oh! but Gabe from uh, Penny Arcade, his grandma plays DS. Mm. And... You know, my grandfather, who is, uh, goodness gracious, he is almost 80, and he asked me about getting a Wii, and he used to play Dr. Mario a lot, mm. like 10 years ago. He still has the Dr. Mario Tetris combo on Super Nintendo. He just doesn't play it. Right. And my aunt, Sybil, she is in her mid-50s, and she played a hell out of Dr. Mario, you know? It, right. There's a lot of, you know, my Uncle Mike, he plays games all the time, too. He's a big strategy game head, and he's in his mid-50s, late-50s. You got to think about, like, a lot of that, a lot of it is just entertainment, and it's it's a form of entertainment that, when taken in moderation, is perfectly fine. And I think that people who don't play video games and uh, people who are of a certain age who don't play video games, they can't understand that because they think games and they think right. children. They think, you know, Candyland and life and things that they used to do when they were kids. You know, and, and that's that's another funny thing. It's like, what if the question were, is it okay in for men in their 30s to play Scrabble or Boggle or, I don't know if Jenga counts as a Board game, yeah, it does. but it counts as a game. I don't know if it counts as a board game. I'm saying. I, well, I would say a table, a game. non-video game game, right? Table yes. game, like, or is it? And it's like, no, people do that at parties all the time. But mm-hmm. you know, and people do it privately all the time. You get, get people together, and and you know, oh, let's play some Monopoly, right? Monopoly could take you hours. I mean, it, are you gonna say, oh, it's okay to play Monopoly and Scrabble and Boggle and Sorry and shit like that, and sorry. then go, oh, uh, you know, it's not normal to play Risk. At thirty, or it's not normal to play Warhammer forty k at th- or at thirty. You know, 
games that are also, you know, they're not video games, but they are board games or table games that are attributed to basement dwellers. Right. Are you going to go and say that it's not okay to be 30 and play Dungeons & Dragons? I mean, obviously they would. <laughs> well, they, not you, you know, but I'm talking about them. Like, yeah. Do, do you think that it it would be obvious that Kathleen Gifford and Hoda Kotb and, <laughs> and Danny Deutsch would say, uh, Donnie Deutsch yeah. would say that uh, Dungeons & Dragons and uh, Warhammer 40K, they're just, they're, they're not. And is it because of the social uh, impact of it? The, the psychological impact of a woman I, goes, oh, my man plays Dungeons Dragons. I, I, I uh, think what they would say, yeah, I think what they would say is, like, I, I, their, their objection would be the fact that people are still playing out fantasy world things, like, a, a, because of their lack of understanding of exactly what it entails. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, they're, they're replacing their current life with another one, which is a similar argument for why they would probably, you know, see World of Warcraft and say, okay, well, they're, all they're doing is playing their life away. Um, right, and that's why I think they would say that because that uh, makes we, a lot of sense. You know, you get you get into Dungeons and Dragons and role playing stuff that gets a little different, um, because uh, that you know when you go to the extreme, that's where all that larping, are all those larping parodies well, come out. And larping that, is. I was told that larping is completely different. It is, but I'm saying that they, for those who don't understand it, that's what they lump all together. Yes. 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 Um, the Renaissance Fair people. Yeah, and and like to to at that point, role play is restricted to one of two things: conflict resolution and sex. So, <laughs> I mean, I shouldn't say conflict resolution. I should say any type of uh, therapeutic activity, like or 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 like workplace, like oh, we're we're doing a sexual harassment. Oh, sex again? See, there you go. But mm-hmm. like, oh, we're doing a sexual harassment seminar at work because you know we need to do this for regulations, and you're going to role play the boss, and you're going to role play whatever. Um, so not just therapeutic, but you know what I mean. Yes, um, yes. But yeah, so I mean that—that's why I would think they would say it to that. Um, that that goes into a different realm, and and I would argue that you know they, they that that video games and uh, and tabletop RPGs share a lot more of the same traits than do video games and board games, with exception of the video games that are actually board games, like Worlds with Friends is Scrabble. Like that's obvious, but yeah, yeah. you know. Um, but I don't know. I I I mean, or, and you were speaking, so I'm gonna shut up now. No, uh, well, um, <laughs> the point I was making was that uh, you know, you take games like that that have durations to them, and sometimes don't really have uh, they don't have finite ends to them. I guess I could say, like you know, Monopoly is done when people are tired of playing, or when somebody makes so much money that it's ridiculous to continue uh you know that scrabbles over when you're out of pieces uh a lot of times you can extend like a dungeon dragons game every friday for a month and granted it could be every friday for four or five hours for a month but it's every friday for four or five hours for a month and for the rest of that time you're you're you know i think that people i guess this is gonna be the last thing i say about this i think that people should uh, do what they enjoy and do it in moderation and not judge others, judge others on based on what they do. And it seems almost to the point that, oh, it's not normal to play video games in your 30s. Uh, uh, no, 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 Xbox, that's weird, judgmental. Um, you know, the basement, those weird ones in the basement, it's judgmental. Um, you know, when, when you do that, if you say, 
that you should be focusing on more things on things other than video games i think it's judgmental because now you're assuming that all i do in my life is play video games right when the question was not is it normal for games to is it normal for men to play video games all the time in their 30s the no the question was is it normal for men to play video games in their 30s or 40s whatever but he's and, Danny Deutsch he's always right <laughs> and then at that point he should have the the presence of mind to at least differentiate and and be able to speak about the differentiation and say while it's okay to be able to play video games and have other things going on in your life it's not okay to 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 play Spend video games much. at an excessive yeah. rate and had he done that and had he kind of, you know, put his hand down like, you know, it, it, he had he has to have the presence of mind. I, I guess he doesn't. He doesn't have that uh, that touch with that type of industry. Or it, I, I don't even think you have to have that touch with that type of industry. You just have to have presence of mind to understand that people like to do things that you may not like to do. And because they do that and you feel differently doesn't mean that they're wrong for doing it. Right. So he should have been able to inter, you know, interject when uh, the women are saying that that's weird. I understand that that's your point of view, but you should kind of think of it a little differently and say, well, if someone's doing all these different things and when they relax, they want to play a video game, you should not think that they're weird. That's what he should have said. But maybe he can't say that. He's on... weird. <laughs> maybe he can't say that on the Today Show when talking to Kathy Lee the Kathleen he probably and, doesn't even he he probably thinks the same way they do, like, possibly. He, but I'm saying if if it was differently, oh. if if he did have the presence of mind to say that in moderation you can play video games and you'd be perfectly fine, which is what he didn't say. Uh, do you think that he would be looked down upon by these two women? It's right. a TV show. Who knows? Maybe he's got a. Maybe he doesn't know, which I think he just doesn't know. Or maybe he's got an image to uphold. Maybe he goes home and plays some freaking StarCraft. Barbie Horse Adventures. So what? Barbie Horse Adventures. Oh, God. See, now now we're going to get into a different conversation. Like, Is it normal <laughs> for men to play games made for... See, and, and, Six-year-old and girls. A, not e- oh, well, I wasn't even going to go that far. It's not normal for men to play games made for six-year-old girls unless they're getting paid for it. Uh, you just don't understand. Oh, I don't? It's an art. <laughs> it's an art. It's an you art to be able it. to play Barbie horse adventures and and imagine babies. You want to play some imagine babies with me? I imagine so. Sega? <laughs> hey, you want to play Sega? <laughs> oh, <Yeah>! ma! <laughs> oh, giant bum. Uh, well, uh, I just want to say that I would just like another to question, like a, a a good discussion piece that maybe we can touch on another week is you know. E games. I I just went through this actually. E games in general kind of suffer from the lowest common denominator. Feels like a kiddie game kind of atmosphere kind of thing. Yes, mm. agree. Kind of do do. I mean, that's just a statement that I'm making. I just want to know if you agree. In general. In general. I I, I guess so. And predominantly on like I, Nintendo. I, yeah, I, I guess so. It, it's just that because like the fir- the very first thing that pops to mind is Mario, and it's like well. Uh, Mario's a special case. Yeah, Mario's is a very special case. Um, because he's kind of matured. He's kind of gone from so far that he doesn't really, he doesn't fit the mold. But I'll give you a, this as an example. Um, I was trying to play Fling Smash with Evelyn. Mm. 
Fling Smash is a very cute game. Uh, she didn't want to play it because she felt like it was a kid's game. And then I I said to her, "What you wanna you you wanna shoot people? You want blood and guts? I give you that, but I was just trying to play a game that we can play together that that wasn't stressful that you know we could have fun with, right? And um, what did we end up playing? Oh, we ended up playing Donkey Kong because she didn't actually want to play a game with blood and guts because I was gonna throw up House of Dead Overkill like fuck all day, you know? Uh, Donkey Kong Country is arguably." In similar sense, is arguably a game for kids in that sense. In that yes, Mario sense of, of yes, it looks kitty, but when you actually think about it in video game terms, it is a it is a bona fide, well designed product. Yes, it is. So, like, that's kind of where I think that that's kind of where it, why I had to hesitate for a little bit because yes, I totally agree with you that when you drop E, wow, that's not what I meant. When you drop <laughs> <laughs> when you drop the E rating. Um, you know, it's just like, oh, it's for everyone, and oh, look, it's colorful. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's for but, kids. Rayman. It's all colorful and oh, stuff. Rayman so is not for well fucking kids. Not when you fall for, for that hit for the third time. Shit. Right. Exactly. Especially not the original one. Right. Um, Dear God, the game was hard. <laughs> and uh, even harder was... on Game Boy Advance where it was pixel, pixel oh, for gosh. pixel perfect, and the screen was half the size because was, of it. Yep. Anyway, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Um, the reason why I bring that up is uh, the question of the... Of, of that type of nature is well is it normal for someone in their 30s to be playing games like you know i mean the the problem is you have to you have to take it from a, a layman's point of view and not look at the design of the game but just looking at a guy who's 30 playing like fling smash playing kirby's epic yarn playing zack and wiki i mean zack and wiki is just the aesthetics and the the sound combined with the video. Granted, it's a puzzle game, but oh, it doesn't look like in... something that that a thirty-year-old should be quote-unquote playing. Zack and Wiki certainly does not, but I don't care. Yeah, but dude, it... like you just said, the sound. I'm just thinking. I'm like, I'm really tempted to play this on mute, but then like it's lifeless. Yeah, and you know, oh, I mean, I'm God. looking down the list of the Wii games. So, well, you but, know... but but let me be clear, not. Mm-hmm. Entirely because it's embarrassing, but mostly because it's just so fucking loud. Oh, well, yeah. Everything. Like, what are you what doing? What the fuck is that? I was like, I don't know either. I, I don't, I don't know. No. But yes. But, um, you know, it, you take that into consideration. Like, okay, well, yeah, I'm a grown ass man and I'm playing these games. Yeah, so. That's how I feel, but what do other people think? Like, is it normal, quote-unquote? Uh, you know, should I restrict myself to only playing T games and up? You know, should I really just uh, face up and not... And basically deprive myself of experiences that I would enjoy for the sake of fitting into society's terms? Do I only play fighting games and shooting games and things that have things to do with violence or adult-natured or, or more worldly-natured uh, themes? You know what's funny about that, though? And not to prolong this for too long, mm. but it, it's, a, it's an interesting thought that I just had about this. You're talking about video games and whether or not you know people... And, and let, let's, for the sake of argument, say we're talking about guys and how women perceive you. Mm-hmm. And we're talking about how women perceive you playing games... I'm willing to bet that more often than not, 
they more they look more negatively at you if if they if they if all you do is talk about how you play Call of Duty than if you talk about how you play Mario. Hmm. Partially because Mario games or games like that are appealing to all ages and all genders in such a way that if a grown man is playing Mario, it's a fit of nostalgia. It's a way to just relax and just, you know, uh, uh, tap into the inner boy. Whereas playing Call of Duty is is kind of is fulfilling that somewhat prepubescent to pubescent need to be violent and be wantonly wanton, as I was talking about painkiller last week, <laughs> and just like think that everything is all about like violence and and it's it's awesome to blow someone's head off. Going back to Mario, instead it's like no, I I appreciate the simplest the simplicity the innocence of this and you know what I mean. So on the other uh, on the other side of the spectrum, guys are probably like, man, why are you playing that Mario crap? I've heard that before. <laughs> so it, it's it's an interesting kind of flip flop where you know something that is for everyone. I would say while if we were to pose a question, is it normal for a thirty year old man to play all those sh- those violent shooter games all the time? Mm-hmm. Versus is it normal for a thirty year old man to play a Mario game all the time? My gut says that Hodakotby re- would react less, slightly less negatively to the Mario question. Interesting. Probably, again, mostly because it, there's less, like... I feel like there's less testosterone-fueled immaturity as opposed to just innocence. With, Makes a lot of sense. That's with a, a Mario game. Uh, and, I and, mean, I'm assuming that our video... Uh, video. Damn it, looking at shit. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm assuming that that, that, make, that makes our conversation over because there really isn't much else to talk about. With yeah, that, but, uh, I think so. But I was just gonna, yeah. I was just gonna kind of uh, tie that thought together with just the fact that, like, I, I feel like... It, there, there's a, and again, this is a gut feeling. I could be totally wrong, but I, I kind of feel like there's there's a there's an overwhelming sense in some people for simpler times, for a little bit more innocence or whatever. And you know, that's when people get nostalgic about things. Oh, don't you remember when things were innocent? When things were simpler. You know, it's why they made Super Eight in the spirit of the Goonies. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, that's more acceptable and more kind of desired. Uh, you know, more whimsical. Than you know this this kind of like guns versus non guns you know they, there's there's less of a stressful conflicting emotion when you're talking about a Mario game like the reaction might be like yeah it's probably too old to be playing Mario versus man why the hell is that guy playing shooters all the time like he should grow up you know what I mean like the, the different type of reaction mm-hmm. um, because one can more easily understand the desire to go back to a more innocent time or to 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 you know whatever and and less so about like what's so appealing about shooting something in the face <laughs> so um but yeah i'm out of breath me too Should i'm trying we... to figure out what the xenoclash game kind of is it's a first person uh adventure game with a lot of melee combat as as far as i remember i have it yeah um, i think i'm gonna download the demo but Oh, I, I don't know weird. why I'm interested in it. It's very because, weird. Yeah, I don't know why I'm interested in it. I mean, I know why I'm interested in it because it's three dollars and seventy-five cents. But well, well then, <laughs> but why should I be interested in it? Because I should not be messing with any of the games. Is it normal for a thirty-year-old man to want to play Xenoclash? <laughs> I don't know. Is it? 
well, he should be focused on other things besides Xenoclash, like eating crack. <laughs> yes, eating crack sounds like a great idea. That you know was... what also sounds like a great idea? What? Finding us on these other places on the internet. <gasps> you can find each one of us at drygames.net on the internet. Al, where can we find you? Where do you live? I live in various places, I guess. Uh, you can find me on Twitter, twitter.com slash dredmage. Twitter.com slash dredmage. Um, there's xlm2k.blogspot.com, which I'll update sometime. And what about your band? Oh, yeah. I have a band. and uh, He has a band. That site is uh, rocafuertemusica.com. R-O-C-A.com. F-U-E-R-T-E. Musica. With an A at the end. Mm-hmm. Dot com. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, and you can find their album, Vuelo Letal, which means Lethal Flight. I learned that because Al knows Spanish. Very on the Amazon.com, barely. Amazon.com MP3 downloads list. Make sure to, that make sure that you choose MP3 downloads. There's other places, too. iTunes, uh, Spotify, Zune. Uh, supposed to be Rhapsody, but who knows. Uh, anywhere where your digital media is served, you should find us. Excellent. Pete, where do you live? Twitter.com slash Riven. That's R-Y-V-V-N. R-Y-V-V-N. And if you like don't you... alcoholics talking about video games and movies, you should follow me on Twitter. Follow <laughs> him on Twitter at ryvvn.com slash twitter.net. That's yes. the only place I live. No, no other place That's the only place to live. No other place is important. Okay. And you can find me, obviously, at Mr. Chupon on Twitter. It's at Mr. Chupon with an O, not a zero. Uh, you can also, obviously, visit us at trygames.net at trygames.net, which we rarely update, but one day I will. Uh, you can also visit me at www.sharkversusoctopus.com, uh, which is nonsense and has nothing to do with video games, but it could. Uh, and that's all the places that I live. Email, 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 email. Email us at mailbag at trygames.net, M-A-I-L-B-A-G at trygames.net, or you could spell it the wrong way, M-A-L-E. And you can also visit friends of the site. You can visit our friend Maurice at everyonelovesdinosaurs.com. The other Austin out in the world because there are only two of us and we're both awesome at austindlight.com. Light is spelled the, pro- the appropriate way, like a light bulb. And you can visit Brian Fishman, friend of the site, doctor, and he will save your fucking life as long as you go to his blog, which is called drfishypants.com. Also friends of the site, we've got James Dendy Connor at www.gamesjames.com. That's www.gamesjames.com. Not just one game, but multiple games. And there's also our friend Alex and Gary from That Game Podcast, which is conveniently www.thatgamepodcast.com. Did you go and find us there? Because you should have. Yeah, you should have. Yeah. Uh, all right, so I think, I think this horse carcass is kind of stinking up the room, but... Uh, before we go, any last words, sir? Nah, man. Clean this horse up. Mmm. Horse meat. So, for Pete, who thankfully wrote in, he's alive, he's cool. Um, for Al. Um, Gary's mom. Great, thanks for that. I've been your host, Courtney. And we're out. Also, like Canadians. Eh. Eh.